Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Yadier Molina, not a finalist for the Gold Glove Award, guys. What? Not even a finalist. What? There were no honorable mentions. It's just three guys, and Yachty was not among them. You know who was? A bunch of catchers in the National League Central that were not Yachty or Molina. How's that even happen, though? Seriously. So, there is legitimate reason as to why he was not named a finalist. Now, I think it's hogwash. I think it's ridiculous. I think the way that they decided to do the gold gloves this is absurd. But here's the explanation, Jamie. They decided this year to go with exclusively looking at metrics. And specifically, it's a Sabre-based statistic defensively. Now, I think, and you guys know, I'm a big numbers guy. I'm a nerd when it comes to this Yeah, stuff. I figured this would be right in your wheelhouse. Not, not at all. I hate the defensive metrics. I hate them. I think they're awful, and I think people lean on them, and they mean fi- or they said they mean more than they actually do. For example, Tyler O'Neill, based on these metrics, was nominated for a Gold Glove. You guys watch these games. I oh, yeah. watch these games. Tyler O'Neill was not a Gold Glove left fielder this year, but the metrics would suggest that he was. The metrics, in fact, would suggest he's one of the best outfielders in all of baseball. I watch every night. This dude is not one of the best defenders in all of baseball. Okay, so the metrics that they use then. So this one specifically was the Saber defensive metric. I, and what's I included in I that? I don't know. Like if for, if like because I'd have no idea. I have I I don't even like I just learned this year that expecting a hit can help you. It's not exactly how it works. Okay, but, sorry. See? So, Yachty's upset about this, as he should be, because he views himself as one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball. In fact, the best defensive defensive catcher He's not in baseball. the only one who views him like that. Yeah, and I don't blame him. And so he went on Instagram yesterday after our show was over, and this is a rough translation, but basically said, I respect all of the finalists in catching in the 2020 NL. Now, I see an injustice to those who decide who or not. I don't know if it's the MLB or whoever, but it is clear that they do not want Puerto Rican or uh, Hibarito, I don't know, to tie with the great Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench has 10 gold gloves. Yadier Molina right now has nine gold gloves. He says, it is a shame that they judge me for not supporting the league at all and not being the puppet from them. For me at 38 years old, I'm still the best. Ask every catcher in MLB and they will tell you, end quote. Yadier has since deleted this post on Instagram, but it was up there and you could see the frustration clearly there. I do think this has a real tangible impact on his potential Hall of Fame candidacy. Gold gloves and his defensive acumen is the backbone for why he is going to be a Hall of Famer. 
So if he has nine right now and he's behind Johnny Bench, who has 10, that's significant. Now, I still think he's going to get in. I still think he deserves to get in. But him not being nominated this year is going to be something that when people look back, they're going to be like, why wasn't he nominated? And this is going to be a thing. And it's frustrating to me that he wasn't able to get this. this so year. I've watched a lot of baseball this year. And I'm wondering what are the metrics that they could have used that would have. There isn't one defensively. There, there, there's not good defensive metrics in baseball right no, now. No, but even what are the ones that would have pushed him out? Of well, this conversation. If you look at the defensive metrics advanced analytics wise, Yachty did not rate well. In every category, they're basically going through. And there's a lot of different categories. You know, so what about throwing guys out at second? What does that count for? It counts for something. What but about not having guys even try to? That's the problem. It talks it, about past balls, too, though. It talks about wild pitches. It talks about, you know, throws to first. It talks about the way that the pitching's down. And it framing. Pitch yeah. framing's a big part of it. And Yadi doesn't rate well in pitch framing, despite what we see. And sometimes it looks like he's good at it, but these numbers suggest that he's not. All right. So, and, and I agree with Yadi. I mean, like, look, if you ask anybody in baseball, they'll tell you he is the pinnacle of catchers in Major League Baseball. Like anybody in the league talks about Yachty. The issue is when you it's in every sport. When you talk about voting on specific things, you're getting people voting on an area that are looking at it in a different angle as other people. And I mean, it's the defense. It's the Norris trophy. It's not so much of a black and white. Well, he was the best hitter. He was the most home runs. You're getting great areas in these voting, and this is the, the part that's always frustrating and not just Major League Baseball and everything. Yeah, and it it's difficult to quantify all of this. I understand that. And this was a weird year where they decided not to have the voting. Normally, they would vote on things like this. This is the first year that they've done it this way because they normally have managers and players vote on it. Well, the managers and the players from the NL East and the AL West, they didn't get to see Yadier yeah. Molina this year. So why are they voting well, on an award? Just gone with the man- that were in the divisions then, but that the then, ones that they created. Then how do you have it? Like, is is yeah. it just one player from each division, division that is ultimately nominated? It, it, there's a lot of issues with the way that they were going to do it this year. It was always going to be a little jumbled and discombobulated with it, but I... It obviously impacted here locally, Yadier Molina, in a way that I view as unfair, and he clearly does as well. So, I was listening to Carriker and Smallman earlier today, and I view Yadi right now as being a really good player, defensively, still really good, offensively, exactly what you'd expect him to be at this age. He's not great, but he's fine, and he comes up with a lot of big hits and big situations. So, I was really surprised, really surprised, when I turned on the morning show today, Jamie, and Randy Carricker was talking about whether or not Yachty should be back for two years on this on a two-year deal that he wants. Here's what I heard whenever I turned on Carricker and Smallman today. I believe if I were in the Cardinals' shoes and he would only sign a two-year deal, I would say, it's great, but we're going to move on here because... By the time we're ready to be great again, you are not going to be an effective player. And sometimes we talk about how great Doug Armstrong is because he's got ice water in his veins mm-hmm. and he's so cold and unemotional. At some point, you have to place you have to place winning above feels. So that's really interesting. And here's part of why. Randy doesn't just say stuff. 
Randy, whenever he says things on the air, there's a reason why he's saying it. He's not like me who's just shooting from the hip, right? I'm over here just giving hot takes all day long. <laughs> Randy Carriker is informed. Randy Carriker is good at his job. And so when he says, if I were the Cardinals, I would not be willing to give Yadier Molina a two-year deal, lights start blinking in my mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Should I be thinking more seriously right now that the Cardinals really might not bring back Yadier Molina? I don't know if they're going to or not. I just kind of assumed all along that they would because it's Yadier Molina, and if he wants to be back, you bring him back, especially when he's playing as well as he has. But Jamie, after hearing that, are you starting to have any sort of questions coming into the back of your mind as to whether or not he's going to be back next year? Look, the two-year deal has always been a bit of a sticking point for me. Uh, at a one-year deal, when you're Yachty's age, if you if you keep going one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal, then it's fine, right? But when you ask for the two-year commitment, I wasn't as sure with that. Um, now, do I think that... He played well enough this year to earn consideration at a two-year deal? Yeah, probably. I mean, but again, it was a shortened season. And how is Yachty's 38-year-old body going to hold up for 150 starts or 140 starts? Whatever it is, I know he'd like to do all 162. But I think you have to look at that. I think you have to evaluate just how he's going to hold up. So for me, at a one-year deal, I think it's a shoe in that you re-sign them. At two years, I think there's a possibility they say no thanks. I think you have to look at it that way. I mean, let's be honest here. He's not wrong. Like, the body's not going to hold up in two years when you're 40 years old. You're not going to be playing 150 games no matter how much Yachty puts himself in great shape in the offseason because he does that. He treats his body like a temple every year in terms of being in shape. The part that I don't agree with is his effect effectiveness on the team he might not be a 250 hitter for you at age 40 he might not be playing 150 games for you at age 40 but he's going to be able to affect that bullpen and pitching staff the way that he always has and that's the part that i think you can never take away from yadi or molina but here's the thing it comes down to dollars and cents and you need upgraded bat and if you can't upgrade a bat because yadi's making 20 million dollars a year or whatever it's going to be that just can't happen right now. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I would love to hear from you. What do you think? Two years for Yadier Molina. Is that too much? Is that something that you wouldn't do? Because I think there's a big question the Cardinals have to ask themselves, and it's this. Are the Cardinals in win-now mode? Are the Cardinals trying to win right now? Because if the answer to that is yes then I think you have to bring back Yadier Molina. It's 11-12, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I want to carry this over to the next segment, Jamie. Yeah, and I was going to throw it out there for you, BK and Alex. I know it's a Ferrari Friday, but yeah, don't do this to Rhino me, buddy. Shield mic drop oh, today? Geez. On the 101 ESPN app, <laughs> yeah, the free baby. 101 ESPN app. Go ahead and give it a download now. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. Would you bring back Yadier Molina on a two-year contract? Not a one-year deal two-year deal and you got to imagine that it's going to be at market value this is a very proud man who is not going to take less than he's worth so let's say two years 30 million dollars if that's what it's going to take for you to bring back Yadier Molina are you doing it 65780 is the air comfort service tax line and the rhino shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app the big question the Cardinals have to answer first though are they in win now mode we're going to answer that for you coming up next on 101 ESPN we're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
all the talk of uh, you know a quiet off season coming ahead, there's not going to be a winter meeting. Don't, don't worry, that's, that's going to get canceled in a heartbeat. Uh, I, I, I think the Cardinals have to make they have to make a move. This team is built to win right now, and if you get one of those two guys or both of those guys back, Yadier Molina and, and, and Adam Wainwright, you have to go for it. Uh, you've got one of the best pitchers, if not the best, most talented pitcher in the National League uh, in Flaherty. You, you can't be the, the National League version of, of the Angels, where you've got the best player, but you're not a competitive club. That was Greg Amzinger on the morning show earlier this week, Jamie, talking about, hey, the Cardinals are in win-now mode, and if they're going to bring back Yachty and Wayno, you got to go for it. You can't just be a middling contender sitting out here with these veterans that you're bringing back on one- or two-year deals, and I agree with him. If you're going to bring back Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, to me, it is a sign that you are actually trying to win next year. Because otherwise, what's the point yeah. in bringing them back? Are they mascots for the team at that point? Because otherwise, they're just accent pieces. Those guys, as much as I love Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, and they were great for the team this year, they're not the driving forces for why the Cardinals would win the World Series next year. That, if they get there, would be guys like Jack Flaherty, Paul Goldschmidt, and if they're going to bring in a significant free agent, that significant free agent as well. But they can be important pieces. Like Yadier Molina this year would have been one of the more important players on the Cardinals if they went on to do something in the postseason. Same thing for Adam Wainwright. We saw how important he was for this team in the shortened season. He was their real ace this year. Mm-hmm. So if you're bringing them back, you're doing so because you think you got one more shot in you. You think you've got an opportunity to do something special next year. So I think if you do that, you are in win-now mode. You are claiming right now to your audience, you're in win-now mode. I don't know if they view it that way, though. I don't know what the Cardinals view this team in 2021. Like, what is the goal? It's hard. It's hard to tell. Is the goal to stay financially afloat? Is the goal to just bring back Wayno and Yachty for one more year and call it a career so that way they finish out their careers here in St. Louis? Is the goal to transition to the next core? Are we looking at the passing of the torch to the in the in the rotation? You're going to have the Jack Flaherty rotation moving forward in the bullpen. It's Alex Reyes's bullpen now in the lineup. It's going to be whoever your free agent is next offseason that is signed here in St. Louis, and they're going to be the new face of the lineup. Is that the transition year? What is the goal this year that's what i think that they we have to find out that first and then i can assess what they should do for the offseason because i don't know right now what their stated goal is for next year yeah i would agree i mean i think that internally they have to figure out where what they are as a baseball club first and if it's in a slight rebuild because there is a lot of youth that is in a lineup and they do have more youth that are on their way up then maybe re-signing Yachty and Wayno, I mean, not maybe, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, but if they feel like they want to be competitive again and you know maybe not necessarily go all in on it but want to be competitive the Cardinal way where we get into the, po- the postseason and just kind of make it work from there, then I could see that, but on one-year deal. I don't see a two-year deal for either of these guys. I really don't. If I'm, if I'm John Mosellock, I'm just not doing it. I would tell Yachty, I'm not opposed to having you play two seasons here, but let's do one at a time. I think it really is. First thing, you got to look at what the window looks like, too, right? Like, what does your championship window look like? Because you talk about the Blues, you got that five to six window, right? 
if you're the Cardinals, what's that window for you? Right now, it would reside around how much longer you feel Paul Goldschmidt is going to be a top first baseman in the league. It's going to be how much year, how many more years of control you have on Jack Flaherty. And that is kind of how you base your window. If your window's two years, then yeah, Yachty needs to be back, but on a year-to-year basis. If your window is five or six years because of those players that I talked about, then it might be time to start trending in the other direction of somebody else on this roster. And I go back to a conversation I had with Joe Vitale, and it's different because Arizona Coyotes never won a Stanley Cup, but they had the same leader in Shane Doan over and over and over, and you just needed a new environment. When he retired, it kind of brought in that youthful era into Arizona. What you see now, competitiveness with a Clayton Keller and some of these younger players, I wonder if you're at that stage now with the Cardinals where you had to transition out of the Matt Holiday saga here in St. Louis when he was sent away as a free agent. Maybe it's the time to start transitioning away from Wayne Owen Yachty to try and start building a new identity of this team. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We've also got the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the free 101 ESPN app. That, give that a download on your phone right now. We've got a couple of these mic drops that we want to get to. First one comes from Gary on whether or not he would give Yadier Molina that two-year extension. We said maybe in the range of $30 million. I wouldn't sign Molina to a, any contract. I'm going to take production over the so-called intangibles that he brings to the team. Um, I think he would do himself a favor if he walked away now while he's still looking like he can play and not embarrass himself if he comes back and can't play. Plus, you don't want Kisner to be 27 before he has any valuable Major League Baseball experience. See, I don't look at Kisner as the guy that is going to be the answer for this team at catcher. At this point, I mean, given what we saw this year, they didn't trust him to start whenever Yachty was out. They went with Matt Wieters over him. So I'm not making any decisions on Yachty based on on what we're seeing from Kisner. I think that decision is based on Yvonne Herrera, the, the younger catcher that they have that is seen as a really, really good catching prospect within the system. I don't think Yachty's at risk of making himself look foolish. No. I mean, we, we all watched this team this year. Yachty looked spry. He was in unbelievable shape. He was really good defensively, despite the the gold glove nonsense. He was one of the better defensive catchers, for sure. And he was out for a few of them with the COVID situation. He ended up playing 42. I think Yadier Molina is a really good catcher still for 120 games. He's probably not going to start 140 for you anymore. That's fine. You don't need him to start 140 games for you. But 120 games of Yadier Molina is hugely valuable to this team. So I, I, I'm i surprised that I feel almost like I'm an, on an island over here. But I would give him that two-year deal. I, I would give Yadier Molina the two-year extension. I know what the financial times are right now, and that's the backdrop to all of this. But if not for that, I don't even know that there would be any pause for me to give him that two-year extension. Yeah, now what? Who's the young catcher coming up? Not Kisner, Herrera. Von Herrera. Herrera, but right. he's—I mean, he's what low A ball still. I mean, he's he, probably two years away. He's two or three years That's away. That's right what I was looking at find out is how long until this guy could be relevant in the Cardinals lineup. Probably about two years, and. If that's the case, then maybe it makes the most sense to sign Yachty to two let years. Me, let me ask you guys this question then, because if you're playing a 162-game schedule and Yachty gets hurt and he's out 60 games, then what? Because that's eating, let's say, $15 million in salary on your roster for two years. And then if, let's say, it's an injury where he's not the same, 
then you're eating another $15 million going about anybody. Season, right? Like Dexter Fowler next year gets hurt and he's at the back but end of his But there's replacements deal. for those guys. You don't have a replacement for Yachty. There's no replacement for Paul Goldschmidt. There's no replacement uh, for Jack Ron Flaherty. Ron Hell <laughs> when, when your good players get hurt, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to struggle as a result. So I, I'm not going into a contract like this. And I understand it's a little different because he is older and so the injury risk so is higher. too, yeah. But that's why you resign him is because he is so important, right? I get it. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm on that I'm on that fence about the two year deal. Like I think a year to year is something that makes sense for Yachty because you can see as it goes. But if they're the two years, what if you get yourself handcuffed in that second year and then you really can't make any roster improvements? Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the one hundred one ESPN app. We've got another mic drop that we want to go to from Blaine on whether whether or not he would give Yachty or Molina that two year extension he's looking for. Going on the the Yachty point, I think that it depends a lot what the identity of the team is if the Cardinals want to continue with the defense first and great pitching mentality I think it makes sense to bring him back for two years I think that the value that he brings is greater than, than anybody else that they can put in the position if they want to add a bat an impact bat I think that we need to let him go so maybe that's part of this conversation that we haven't brought up yet Jamie uh, if he is going to ask for $15 million, 10, 10 to 15 is probably what I would guess. He's probably going to be I asking bet, for. I bet he's asking for 20, guys. Uh, it's going to be 20. I'm telling you, that's a proud guy who doesn't see his stock devaluing. That Instagram post yeah. made me even more believe it's going to be 20 yeah. or north. I'm still the best. Best Ask everybody in yeah. the league. So uh, here's here's what I would say. And the reason why I brought that up, because whether it be 10, 15, 20 million dollars, that is a lot of money to give to an aging catcher. No doubt about it. If this does come down to, hey, we've got two options here. Option A, we bring back Wayno and Yachty. Option B, we are able to go out and sign George Springer. One of the best free agents this offseason who comes in with championship pedigree. He is younger. He Yesterday, we heard Carl Ravage say he thinks he's one of the best athletes in all of baseball. He's a great hitter. Yes, he does have some questions about the Astros background, but he, he's a guy that definitely improves your lineup mm-hmm. immediately going into next season and could maybe be a part of the face of whatever this next generation of Cardinals baseball is. If that is the decision, which side would you guys land on there? If it is Springer versus Yachty and Wayno? Yeah, it's a tough one. I guess I go back to this and, and the text line, a couple of them are coming in here. I've lost track of them, but basically then who fills the void for Yachty? I don't know. Right? Like if Kisner's not the one to your point earlier of the guy they even went to when Yachty was out, then where do they go now? They might have to sign a free agent catcher to a, a, a minimum deal or a two, three, four million dollars deal. So you, even when you look at it that way, right, it's Yadier Molina at $15 million versus whoever this replacement catcher is for 5 or $6 million. Now you've, you've taken $10 million off of your payroll. Yeah, that helps, but you got worse at the catcher position almost certainly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what your identity is then. I thought that was a really good point. I don't remember what the gentleman's name was that just gave us that, that Rhino Blaine. Show mic drop. Blaine. If you don't bring back Yachty and Wayno, what is your identity? What is the identity of the 2021 Cardinals if they don't have Yachty or Molina? Because right now it is pitching and it is defense. And Wayno and Yachty were huge pieces to that identity this season. And by the way, if they're not bringing those guys back, I would imagine it has a lot to do with the payroll. 
And so I'm not certain that in that scenario, Colton Wong would be back either. And so now you've gotten worse defensively at catcher. You've gotten worse defensively at second. I'm guessing they're probably not bringing in a massive free or that concerned about the payroll. And so where are you improving and what is the identity of the roster at this point? If they go that route, I would then as a Cardinals fan view 2021 as a transition season. I would say, okay, I understand what is happening here, and you can like it or dislike it, but at that point, you're basically looking at 2021 as if they make the playoffs, great, but really this is about clearing the decks, getting the payroll back to where it needs to be, and then next offseason, there's going to be a lot of pressure at that point for them to be able to go out and get a big-time free agent to really become the next face of the St. Louis Cardinals. But it might be time for the transition season. If you want to be a World Series contender, it might be time for that transition, because if you're not adding a bat, you're going with this same roster as you had this season and we've already stated there's no way that team could contend for a world series no but they can make the playoffs mm-hmm. and that's all that matters and that, it, it does matter in some ways right i'm sorry does it matter if you don't have people in the stands though yeah because i be like watching the stands, though I, guys Not i have capacity no I, well, I come from Kansas City, where my entire what I know my Wait, entire what? my entire youth was us? spent watching irrelevant baseball. Like my entire the, the entire time that I grew up in KC, the team stunk. They were totally irrelevant, and the season was over by July every year. And it was about who are they going to trade at the trade deadline? Who are they getting rid of this year? And who's the next young guy that's coming in? It stinks watching that every night. Baseball is about the night-to-night grind of the season, the dog days of summer. And here in St. Louis, all of those games are meaningful. They matter. And so as frustrating as it is that this team doesn't look like a real championship contender right now, it is meaningful that they are still competing for the playoffs. They're still playing games that matter. And if they get rid of Yachty, they get rid of Wong, they get rid of Wayno going into next year, there's a real potential that for the first time in basically two decades, you might play a September that doesn't matter here in St. Louis. And that's not going to sit well with fans. And so what I would do is bring back both of those guys and maybe still have this as a transition season. You bring them back. You bring back Yachty on a two-year deal. Wayno on a one-year deal. After the season, Carpenter is up for his contract. Fowler is up for his contract. Uh, Mark Carlos is up for his contract. You've got Andrew Miller up for his contract. You're still getting all of those off of the books. And so you still then have an opportunity next offseason to make that same big move that you would otherwise, except now you're doing it with Yachty. Still on the roster, still on the team, still as a big part of what your foundation is. So that's that's the route that I would go. Uh, let's stick on this, Jamie, because we're getting a lot of reaction here. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line and the Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Do the Cardinals still have a destination feel to them? Matt Holliday talked yesterday on the fast lane about why he came to St. Louis. If they get rid of Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, I'm starting to think the answer to that question might be no. And I'll explain why coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. ESPN. I agree with you, BK, for once. Mm. Yachty and Wainwright need to come back. They're the face of the Cardinals, and they do so much to bring up the spirits of the team and to bring the team back. And I agree, I don't see that much in Kinsner. Let's wait and bring up Herrera in two years and have Yachty help him by being a coach. All right, first. 
First of all, it's always a pleasure to have Janet jump on the Rhino Shield mic drop. And Alex, can we isolate the very beginning of that again, yeah, please? Sure, of course. I agree with you, BK, for once. Mm. <laughs> That's weird, BK, that your voice got in on the mic. She must have that, that, yeah, that audio yeah. drop. Probably that's the notification yeah. for her. Like whenever she gets a text and it just it played at the same See, time. See, I think it's one of those things that anytime somebody says, I agree with you, BK, you hear the mmm. I think it's. Can we isolate that? I think it's. It's available on iTunes, too. You can download it. Yeah, it's a ringtone. No, you can't. Mmm. It's interesting how that works. So I appreciate Janet getting getting involved. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line uh, to get involved at any point on the show. You can also use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. So we're talking about the Adier Molina situation and whether or not you would want to see him back on a two-year deal. I'm thinking it's going to be probably more than some Cardinals fans are hoping that it will cost. Two years, $30 million-ish is, I think, roughly kind of the median, the mean, the average of what you're probably going to be expecting it would look like for him. I I heard yesterday, by the way, Jamie, and I want to get to this because I think it's part of the conversation about Yadier Molina. Matt Holliday was on with the fast lane, and they asked him about, hey, you know, when you came to St. Louis, if you were not traded here first— would you have looked at them as a potential destination for you? Would you have potentially signed in St. Louis after you left the Rockies? And here's what Matt Holliday had to say on the fast lane yesterday. Playing against them and, and playing against a guy like Tony Russa and playing against a guy like Albert Pujols. And I, they were already on my radar. And, and I think he, had I not even been traded there, uh, they'd have been near the top of my list, if not at the top of my list. Um, but I think that the guys around the league, they see the the love of baseball in the St. Louis community, um, the kind of attendance, the kind of atmosphere special. And I think you feel that as, a, as, a, as an opposing player, I, at least for me, um, the opportunity to compete in the postseason, which, which the Cardinals consistently do, to play in front of big crowds, which they consistently do in, in a great environment. How much of that is still the case? Because the the fans are, they're always going to be here in St. Louis. That is always going to be a trump card for the Cardinals. They're always going to be able to say the BFIB, right? I know that has become kind of a meme around baseball now, but it is real. Playing in front of 40,000 fans a night is a real thing. Again, kind of drawing back to my days in KC, that is not the case in Kansas City. I assure you, when they're good, they'll draw. But more often than not, it's going to be ten to 12,000 fans that are going out there any given night. It's not the case in Tampa Bay. Here in St. Louis, it is always the case. I do wonder if now, as we get further and further away from 2011 and 06 and 2013, do they still have that feel of, hey, if you go to St. Louis, you're going to win? Because you'll make the playoffs more often than not, although they did go through that little spell where they didn't. Is it now transitioning to, hey, you go down to Atlanta to be able to win. You go out to L.A. to be able to win. Here pretty soon, you can go out to San Diego to be able to win. Those are the real championship contenders. If you want to go out to Chicago with the White Sox here pretty soon, that's going to be the team you go to to win. The Yankees. Are the Cardinals still in that mold, in your opinion? Do they still hold that type of an allure, especially if a guy like Yadier Molina is not a part of the program here in the near future? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I do think they still fit that mold. Uh, However, obviously, I'm not a 
unrestricted free agent in Major League Baseball where I'm talking to other guys around the league or even guys that are in St. Louis and getting a feel for the temperature as to how things are now. But I do believe that the overall success of the franchise for however many years now that it's been, yes, they had, what, three seasons where they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, but I think overall their success that tradition, I still think it carries weight. I really, really do. I think that at the end of the day, just like any sport, athletes want to play in a city where there's a lot of fans, where they feel like they're appreciated, and where that team always is in the conversation of at least getting into the playoffs. I think you're right. I don't know if it's the same poll that it once had. I think in from like... The early 2000s, basically 04, from 04 until basically 2014-ish, that decade, I think the Cardinals were the team you went to. If you wanted to win in Major League Baseball, you came to St. Louis, and that was the main reason why you came here. The fans were an added plus. The fact that you were playing alongside a bunch of other stars, that's an added plus. The fact that you were going to be on Sunday Night Baseball time, an added plus. But the real reason a lot of guys came here, especially towards the end of their career, Carlos Beltran, Matt Holliday, these guys, Jimmy Edmonds, the reason why these guys came and then stayed is because they could win win big win play for titles here in St. Louis. I don't know that I if if I'm a if I'm a player towards the back end of my career, a really good player, got like two or three years of my prime left. I don't know that right now I'm looking at St. Louis as the place that I'm going to go to win a title. I'd rather go to New York, play for the Yankees. I'd rather probably right now go out to LA, play for the Dodgers. I'd go to San Diego right now. I'd rather play for the Dodgers the White for, Sox. for the Padres right now. So I, I do think there's a little bit of a shift in the landscape, and the Cardinals need to do something to recapture some of that because they can still get there. There was a time when the Yankees weren't that team. There was a time when the Dodgers were no longer that team, and they've got it back because they're back to their winning ways. Cardinals can easily get back to being in that position to be able to get those guys, but they've got to put a product on the field that entices players to want to come back here. Now, I know we've been taking mic drops on the Yachty situation, but Mike has one on the St. Louis being a destination spot for free agents, guys. Destination place? No, not anymore. Reasons being, there's no marquee manager pushing for a World Series in Tony La Russa. St. Louis metro area is not a destination place for people to be. The Cardinals have never paid top dollar. Guys used to come here and get better and then move on and get more lucrative contracts guys now leave and get better and the really the only thing going for it is that the stadium's packed and i just don't think that actually brings people here see i the st louis as a market is not it's not new york it's not chicago it's not la i i understand that completely but you got to understand also jamie you are a professional athlete once upon a time Mm -hmm. not all these guys live in the market where they play like, they can still live out in L.A. and play for the Cardinals. They can still live in New York if they want to, or Miami, where a lot of these guys live in the offseason, mm-hmm. and play for the Cardinals. So I wouldn't worry so much about St. Louis, because it's always been the same city, and guys were previously still wanting to come here to play for this team. The big part there, though, that I do think is important is TLR was a guy that guys wanted to come play for. The Cardinals were playing in the postseason deep into the playoffs every year, and that's the thing that has changed for them now. But, but how much of that was TLR 
or playing with an Albert Pujols, a Scott Rowland, a Jim Edmonds, a Chris Carpenter, and Adam Wainwright. See, I think the manager is important, but I think the roster is even more important. I mean, Ribs, from a from a former athlete standpoint, would you rather go play with Brett Hall and Wayne Gretzky and Cujo and McKennison Pronger, or would you rather go play with a team that is kind of undecided of what their identity is? I did play with all those That's guys That's why here. I did it, buddy. That's why I did it. <laughs> um... Look, I think at the end of the day, the manager sometimes is the reason you get those players. Okay, so sometimes, yeah, you make a trade and then Jim Edmonds decides to re up Mm -hmm. here. Why did he re-up? Well, because, yeah, they were a good team, but were they good because Tony La Russa was there? I'm sure all of it together is exactly the combination that you want as far as a, a baseball player looking to go to a certain city. Yeah, I don't know, guys. It's tough. I I don't think the Cardinals are so far off the map here, though. Like, I know last year, or two seasons ago, I guess, getting to the NLCS, I know that was a bit of smoke and mirrors and that they didn't do great in that series. But this year, they're back in the playoffs. I, I do agree that it's kind of stale right now, the way it is. But if they can add a player or two, they might be right back in the mix, and then if they do that, then it's really attractive for guys again to come here. Yeah. So I think John Mosaylock, I think his role in all this is to go find a couple of guys to you know, lure other guys here. Yeah. And your point is absolutely fair, Ferrario. It's about getting those players. The reason why the Cardinals were great in the 2000s, the early 2000s, TLR had a had a part of that. And oh, yeah. part of it was also he had a significant say in who the players were that were coming here. Mm-hmm. It was also, those players were awesome. Yeah. MV3 was the reason why they were winning. And then in the, the early 2010s, the reason why they were winning was because they had really, really good yeah. players along with a really good manager. Right. Mike Schultz, I think, is a really good manager. You can win with that guy as your manager. I still believe John Mosellock is good at his job. The thing that they're missing right now is more of those really, really high-level players. They've got a lot of above-average players. They're missing the guys that are elite. They've got Paul Goldschmidt. We love Paul Goldschmidt. They need more of him. They had three or four of that dude 10, 15 years ago, and now they have one. And when you have that one guy, we're seeing it in the World Series right now, the Rays, uh, the Dodgers just aren't pitching to him, and they're able to have success elsewhere. That's the same thing that's happening here in St. Louis. If you've only got one guy that can hurt the other team in your lineup, uh, well, they're not all that worried about your lineup. And so that's what they've got to figure out how to do. And I think that's why it has become a little bit less of a destination. They've got to find more of those guys. And going into next year, I think it's a big question of how they're going to find them. It goes back to that Yachty conversation, which we'll certainly have more of coming up later today. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Questions and answers coming up next. Chael Sonnen, former UFC fighter, now UFC analyst, going to join us coming up at 12 o'clock, a little bit of a late edition. He's going to talk about the big fight, the title fight that's going to take place tomorrow. Questions and answers, though, coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's get into some questions and answers. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line or the Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. We've got our guy Steve who left us a mic drop. And Ferrario told me during the break, hey, we got to get to this first and then we can get to whatever the other questions are. All right, Ferrario, let's get to Steve on the Rhino Shield mic drop. I hope I live up to this one. Let me tell you why St. Louis is a destination for people. We got toasted ravioli, gooey butter cake, uh, 
the, uh, the, the Arch. Jamie Rivers on the radio. You tell me why any player wouldn't want to come here. In fact, Mike Trout, get on over here. Let's do this. Get it, Steven. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. I Thank loved, you, Steve. I loved the spot where he was like, we've got toasted rabs uh, and gooey uh, butter cake. The, the, the arch. <laughs> the arch. The arch. <laughs> He's trying to remember like a, a big what silver else do we thing. Have? <laughs> big thing down by the water. The funny thing is like, St. Louis is a great city. It has so much to offer. Oh, and yeah. Jamie, you stayed here for a reason because you fell in love with, first of all, a woman from the city of St. Louis. And second of all, the city itself. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. there's a reason why so many former athletes are either around the area so often or just decide this is where we're going to make our home because St. Louis is a great place to raise some kids here in, in this city. But you also need the team to be good enough to entice these players to come here in the first place. And that's where the Cardinals have to get or they've got to just offer more money than everybody else. Those are kind of the two options. And right now they've, they're over two. But uh, d- uh, d- the yards. <laughs> Right? It's always popular. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers. Guys, I saw this the other day. This comes from the 314. The Braves GM came out the other day and said publicly he would love to have back Marcelo Zuna. Would you be interested, if worst came to worst and Marcelo Zuna was the best that the Cardinals could do, would you be interested in bringing back Marcelo Zuna on a one or a two year contract? Absolutely. I didn't want to get rid of him in the first place. I know that people are like, well, you know, he wasn't the same Marcelo Zuna. Well, guess what? He was this year. <laughs> so I don't know what happened, but I like this guy. I do. Is he a little bit of flighty sometimes? Yeah, he is. But if the DH is to stay, which I know that's going to be up for debate for the next while here with Major League Baseball. But if the DH is here to stay, why the heck would you not? Here's where I'm at on this, and I'd like to cue up my tin foil a little oh bit. Oh, my goodness. What if this is the perfect ploy for John Mozeliak to find out what his hitting coach truly is? Let's bring back Marcelo Zuna. Let's bring back Jeff Albert, one year each. Marcelo Zuna, two years really couldn't hit. One year in Atlanta, he could crush it. Come on back, Marcel. Haven't Let's see what you do. <laughs> no, but this Haven't is... we already this seen is enough? Marcelo is going to spend $20 million to find out yeah. if his batting... Or his hitting coach is the it's right guy. It's a perfect opportunity to find out and say, hey, Jeff Albert, are you our hitting coach? There's a lot of sensations going on right now. I've got seven different songs. <laughs> keep, keep Marcelo... <laughs> Okay. What's going on? Okay, so tinfoil didn't work on this one. Stimulated right now. Ooh. Okay, so that didn't work. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line. It's a decent Ferrari tinfoil Ferrari no, Friday. It no, it wasn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, from the six three six, and we've got one from the six one eight as well. These kind of go together. From the six three six, guys, do you want to play with Brad Miller and Austin Dean, or Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado? Also from the six one eight, guys, what would it take for St. Louis to become one of those big market cities that guys really want to come play for? Well. I think the obvious answer is instead of having to play with Brad Miller and Austin Dean, you get to play with Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Are you guys kidding me? I want to play with Brad Miller and Austin Dean. More playing time for me. Deaner and Melzi, baby. Right? More playing time. Have you guys been watching Corey Seager in this World Series? Because, oh boy, I don't know what the Dodgers' plans are with him. I would imagine they would love to re-sign him, and I don't, have I, don't, to. I don't know what their payroll situation will look like when he comes up. But if for whatever reason he was allowed to hit free agency, 
Man, that would be the guy you that I would over be. Carlos Correa? Probably. He doesn't have the. In- I don't like Correa. Yeah, I, really? I'm the same. Yeah, I like to punch him in the face. Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, but I would like him on my baseball yeah, team. That's fine. Let's sign him. I'll punch him in the face. <laughs> I don't like the guy. I'd like to see that actually. I don't like. I him. would be interested. <laughs> I would probably rank it like I think the the three big free agents, shortstop wise, that offseason, if I'm not mistaken, are Seager, Correa, and Story. Isn't Lindor a free agent then too? Lindor so as well. Four of them. Yeah. I would. I think Seager might be at the top of my list because he he dealt with injury, but it was Tommy John. So it's not like a back injury that Correa is dealing with. He's shown more power and uh, is a better overall hitter in his career than Lindor is, despite the fact that Lindor's better defensively. And then story, I just always wonder about the Rocky, uh, about the uh, the Coors Field situation. Yeah, yeah, but he hits he had hits bombs away from Colorado. I honestly, I think I would put Tro- Trevor Story first. Really, I, I just and I know the track record's longer with Corey Seager and Correa and Lindor, but it, Story's younger, and I just I feel like that pop is something that would look good in St. Louis. I think he's the most realistic. I think he's the one that will hit the market of those four. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Lindor. I would imagine he's probably going to be traded somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then my my assumption would be that team will resign him whenever he is traded. I think Correa is going to hit the market. I don't know on Seager. I'm pretty certain that story is going to hit the market. So I think of, of the four, he's the guy that is most likely to be on the move after next year. Guys from the 618 says, uh, hey guys, if Tom Tyler O'Neill wins the gold glove. Hey, we could just trade our star gold glove outfielder for Lindor. I mean, it seems like a fair trade. I like your style. Hey, Cleveland's got to be interested in it, right? Yeah, for sure. Another gold glove outfielder? With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on a 101 ESPN. We'll get to the news of the day yesterday in baseball. No DH in the National League next year. I've got my questions about that. We'll get to that coming up here in just about 15 minutes, but coming up next, Chael Sonnen. You can hear him on his new podcast, and you're going to hear him coming up next to preview tomorrow's title fight in UFC. Chael Sonnen joining us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Big, big fight this week in Khabib versus Gaethje. You can check it out, and we are happy to be, have Chael Sonnen. You can hear him on this podcast. You're welcome with Chael Sonnen, available two times per week, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Chael, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? What's happening? But I'm on a high. I get fired up on fight week. It was the weigh-ins already happened with a little controversy. I'm excited for the championship match. Yeah, Chael, that's where I wanted to go right away is the weigh-in here. I noticed in watching it that that Khabib really, it looked like he really struggled to make weight. Now, what kind of an impact can that have on him with this quick turnaround? Well, I think very little. I mean, it's a 24-hour weigh-in. To put that in wrestling terms for you, which is in our high schools and colleges, they do a one-hour weigh-in, which simply means you weigh in, and one hour later you're on the mat competing. In 24 hours, it won't have any impact. But I did think there was some good drama there. Nobody's ever beat Khabib in the cage, but he has lost to the scale before. And in all fairness, they didn't call it right today. He did not make weight by the official standard, but they gave it to him. Wow. Okay, so then will this this is going to officially be a title fight then? This will be a title fight. I mean, whatever whatever the uh, commission official declares to be true officially is true. In this case, Khabib did not make weight, but they said he did. 
Okay, okay, interesting. Well, now, based on that drama, there's also, I guess we'll call it drama, but this is the first fight for Khabib without his dad there, and his dad being his coach and being in his corner, and we know how much his dad meant to him. How hard do you think that could be for Khabib? You know, I think it's very real, right? I mean, it's kind of a Rocky-esque moment or even a Mike Tyson custom model thing. It's very real. His father wasn't only his coach. He was his best friend. He was his mentor. Uh, I think they had a very special relationship, and I do think that it's going to have an effect. Some say, well, motivate could be, but he's, for nostalgia reasons, going to want to do even better. You can't really control those things. You know, how disciplined was he in training? Was he able to get all of the work in? It's speculative uh, by us, but it is a fair point of the story, and I think it's going to have an effect. Chael, I wanted to ask you about the timing of the fight because I'm typically used to sitting back and having a couple of drinks and texting with my buddy Jamie at like 11 o'clock, 11.30, whenever these fights are taking place for the actual title fights. Tomorrow it's supposed to start at 1 o'clock. It's like an afternoon matinee type of a a match. Uh, What went into this? What do you think was the decision that went into why they're going to do an afternoon card tomorrow? Well, and good of you to mention that, right? I mean, how many of us are fans and want to see this fight, but we assumed it was coming in the evening? So thank you for, for letting people know, yes, it's 1 o'clock Eastern. And you know, I don't know what went into that. There was some kind of a decision. Sometimes when Dana has a fight uh, geographically placed somewhere else, he will accommodate the American market. But he's done plenty of fights from Fight Island. So I'm curious as well. I don't know if there's a football game going on later or if it was just requested by the uh, local ordinance. I don't know what happened, but you are right. It's an earlier show than usual. All right, Chael. So these two guys, stylistically, you've got the stand-up fighting of Justin Gaethje. You've got Khabib, who's just a mauler out there, takes people down like it's nobody's business and then just keeps them there. I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking to myself, Gaethje almost has to turn this into a bar fight to where he's goading Khabib to stay on his feet and get involved into some elbows, dirty boxing, you know, things like that where Khabib, I don't know if he one, I don't know if he can do that with Khabib, and we know that Khabib's going to want to take him down. How does Gaethje stay off the mat if that's the case? And when you talk about Khabib's takedowns, if you break the tape down and you back up just a little bit further, Khabib does not take anybody down in what I'll call the open, meaning they're just right there in the center of the octagon. Every takedown starts the same way, which is he pushes you into the fence first. So if Gaethje can keep his back off that fence, exponentially it will up his chances of not being taken down. But you are right. We've seen Khabib fight 28 men. We've seen him beat all 28 men, but he beats them all by taking them down and beating them up. We have never seen Justin Gaethje taken down and beaten up. So it's going to be a first for one of them. We're talking with Chael Sonnen here on 101 ESPN. You can hear him on his podcast. You're welcome with Chael Sonnen, available two times per week, joining us here on Ribs and BK. All right, Chael, I want to play some audio for you, because last time that we saw Justin Gaethje after the fight against Tony Ferguson, he had an all-time quote, in my opinion. I want to play this and ask you about it on the other side. You know, um, I feel bad for him, because if that was me, I'd be pissed because I came in here to die. I told my coaches in the back, you're not going to like it, but I'm ready to die tonight. And that's the mentality you have to come in here with. He immediately became one of my favorite fighters after (laughs) after hearing that quote. Does Gaethje have the type of mindset that you're going to have to have to be able to beat Khabib? I will tell you this. There is an intangible when you deal with Khabib, which is pressure and pace. He has a guy who has found a way to weaponize pace and turn it into a weapon. That's a little harder for the audience to see, but his pressure and his output is very intimidating, and fellow fighters see it. Justin Gaethje does not 
match Khabib and pace or cardio. However, Gaethje's never backed down. When he gets tired, he does not quit like many people do. He will hang in there and he will fight all night. Chael, to the untrained eye, some people would look at Justin Gaethje and say, well, he's kind of like Conor McGregor. And, you know, Conor didn't do so good against Khabib. In fact, when we thought this that that fight was going to go to the ground, Khabib ended up hitting him a couple of times with some really good strikes and knocking Conor back. So how does Justin Gaethje prevent himself from becoming Conor McGregor? Well, and don't forget, Justin Gaethje is a Division One All-American wrestler. I have to remind you of that because if you watch Justin Gaethje, you've never seen him go out there and wrestle. But one of the reasons that Khabib's strikes were effective against Connor is because he had threatened Connor with a takedown earlier in the contest. If you threaten the takedown, it greatly takes away a guy's defenses for strikes. So because Khabib had Connor's respect, if he changed elevation, Connor dropped his hands, boom, Khabib comes back up top and throws one down the middle. Gaethje needs to do the same thing, whether he he takes Khabib down or not, he needs to offer the threat. Gaethje has those skills. He has those tools. Whether he chooses to use them or not, he needs to make Khabib aware that he has them. He needs to offer the threat of the takedown. Final question that I've got for you, Chael. There's about a year layoff for Khabib coming into this one. Last time that we saw him fight was September of last year in an actual organized UFC event. How much do you expect that layoff to play into this? I think it matters. Look, as human beings, we don't get better at something by not doing it. Now, Khabib is still kind of youthful, and he's still on that curve where you can take longer breaks and, you know, say somebody closer to 40 will do. But I agree with you. I think that it's very real. I think that ring rust is very real. Khabib has a very good pace. He's also dealing with a lot of emotions, as we alluded to earlier with his father. I don't expect the best version of Khabib. The good news, if you're Team Khabib, there's a gap between his skills and everybody else's. He can come down a little and still be the best in the world, but he's going to need everything to get past Gaethje. Now, Tail 2, jump over to another fight that could have some relevance to this one is the McGregor-Poirier. Now, I don't know if it's official yet. The last I checked, it hadn't been official or signed anyways. But do you think the winner of Connor and Poirier automatically gets the belt holder from this one? According to Khabib, he will fight anybody that gets past Poirier. Now, if you start to insert fun conversations like the reemergence of the greatest of all time and George St. Pierre, St. Pierre can leap the line over anybody. I also think that Michael Chandler is very relevant. They're talking about Chandler versus Tony Ferguson, who's always a good choice. But I do think either the Poirier or Connor or Chandler versus Ferguson is most likely. That's, of course, in the absence of George St. Pierre. Now, at this point in his career for Khabib, if he's looking past Justin Gaethje, let's say he wins, he defends the title, and Connor beats Poirier, is it automatic that Khabib would want Connor? I mean, I'm taking GSP out of the equation. Like, do dollars and cents matter to Khabib, or is it more about the actual fight and the principle of it? Things turn to, uh, tend to be more personal with Khabib. He's got plenty of money, and even though we're prize fighters, his day of fighting for that prize is behind him. He wants relevant fights, meaningful fights. He wants the contenders to have to earn their opportunity. I will just share with you this. When push comes to shove, you've got to insult Khabib the right way, and Conor McGregor will insult him the right way. <laughs> Coming from you, I know that that's true. That I, Absolutely. Uh, Chael, last one I've got for you here. I'm put you on the spot a little bit here because I'm going to try and go put a little money down on this fight, and I want to make sure I'm doing it the right way. Your prediction for Khabib and Gaethje. 
I have Khabib. I do believe, uh, to add to that thought, that it's going to be a long night. I think he's going to have to burn some calories. I think he's going to struggle to get on top of him. But ultimately, I do think pace, that he's turned into a weapon, seems to trump all. I think it's even enough to get by Gaethje. Final question for you, Chael. We'll let you promote something for yourself. Your next big submission underground underground card, rather, it's going to be streaming on UFC Fight Pass. What can fans expect? Yes, so that's going to be December 20th at UFC Fight Pass. We've got Donald Cerrone taking on former champion RDA. we got Verdum coming out to take on Rumble Johnson. And we've got Sean O'Malley to be determined. I haven't picked his opponent yet. We're down to Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz, and I will let you know shortly. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. Well, Chael, thanks so much for the time today, man. People can hear you on your podcast. You're welcome with Chael Sonnen, available two times per week. Always appreciate the time joining us here on 101 ESPN. Enjoy the fights tomorrow, man. Fellas, I've had it with you both. Goodbye. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Chael Sonnen joining us here on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I'm looking over on the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app right now, and I can see Khabib is a massive favorite in this one. I know people don't love the minus yeah. plus stuff, but you have to bet $330 right now on Khabib to win $100 is wow, the way that, that this changed. is. It he, was at three fifty. He is a He's a big favorite in this one going up against Justin Gaethje. Gaethje, you can bet 100 and win two. 65. He's a pretty basically two, I do. two and a half to one. I'd go with Gaethje. Underdog. I'd go with Gaethje in this one. He's, he's, he's got, got, got a puncher's chance, yeah. man. And I'll tell you what, if he starts getting those kicks off, he hits Khabib with a couple of kicks. Khabib's going to know about it. It's going to rattle his teeth from the inside out. And once that happens, it changes you. You get punched in the face hard. You get kicked hard in the ribs. All of a sudden, your game plan isn't the same. I so, really dislike that they're having this match tomorrow at one o'clock. It really rubs me the wrong way. This is not the way that it was supposed to be. Just start drinking early, BK. It's fine. Yeah. We'll forgive you. Mizzou's playing tomorrow, though. Oh, oh boy. Mizzou's playing. And you know I'm going to be watching my boys. Oh, boy. I can't, I can't skip out on Mizzou. Mizzou's a 3 o'clock match, which is, or 3 o'clock game, which is basically going to go head-to-head with this Khabib fight. Who are they playing? Kentucky. Oh, my. In all seriousness, I'll give my one-minute... Qu- one quick update on where Mizzou is at. This is a huge game, a huge game for the Tigers and for Eli Drinkwitz. They had a massive win against LSU. They pull off that big upset. Connor Bazelak is very clearly going to be their quarterback of the future. He looked tremendous in that game. I mean, it's not just the numbers, but the way he was able to go about it. He was awesome against LSU. This Kentucky defense is one of the three best they're going to face all season long. They're really, really, really good. They're going to rush three or four all day long. They're going to drop seven to eight all day long and they're going to let you take stuff underneath that's like how people have been playing against the chiefs jamie mm-hmm. and the chiefs have decided okay we're just going to run the ball and we're going to throw underneath all day long that's what mizzou's going to have to do to win this game against kentucky zero players on missouri's team have beaten kentucky in their careers at mizzou zero of them Is none of the staff members at mizzou have beaten kentucky the last time the tigers beat the wildcats was in 2014 this is one of those bellwether games. If you're good, you should beat Kentucky. If you're not good, you typically lose to Kentucky. They're going to be they're going to beat the teams they're better than. They're going to lose to the teams that are better than them. They don't really get upset. They don't really pull off a ton of upsets. This is a big game and it's a huge game for Connor Bazelak. If he's able to play well tomorrow, this is when I think Mizzou fans should officially buy in that he's not just going to be good. He could be pretty special at Missouri. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Twelve sixteen. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. All right. There was a report yesterday that there's not going to be a DH in the National League next year. First of all, I'm not buying it. Second of all, if that does end up being the case and I'm wrong, 
What does that mean for the Cardinals offseason? We'll talk about it coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. operating all offseason as if the National League is going to have the DH next year, Jamie. That's why I've said some of the names that I've said. It just feels right. We already went through it this year. That was the easy transition year with the 60-game season, and it seems to me like it's going to be a part of the next CBA. So why would you have this one-off season when people were preparing as such to have the DH this year? And they would you would imagine they would have it again next year. Well, Apparently, that may not be the case. There was a report yesterday from a reporter down in Atlanta that the National League, as of today, will not have a DH going into next season. We'll see. That report seems pretty flimsy to me. It sounds like, of course, as of today, they haven't come to an agreement yet. So, of course, that today they don't have the DH next season. But I think by... I don't know, two months from now, they will have a DH implemented for next season. It's an interesting thought here because when we went through some of the things that Rob Manfred talked about that he liked in the game, he talked about, you know, some of the things of the seven inning doubleheader. He talked about um, the three batter minimum. He never mentioned the thought of the DH sticking around. Now, was that strategic? I don't know. I have no idea, but it was it was kind of quirky to see that he didn't mention that. And then now we're hearing things that it won't be there. It's something that has to be collectively bargained still. And so the players would have to agree to it. Well, they do really well in those situations, don't they? (laughs) That'll take a month to figure out. Sorry, a year. This is one of those things, though, that the players want to agree to because it means longer careers for their players. It means more opportunities for their players. And so instead of only having opportunities for guys at the back end of their career that maybe aren't great in the field anymore in the American League, you can have those opportunities in the National League as well. So I think it's going to get done. But let's go down that hypothetical scenario, Jamie, of there not being a DH in the National League next year. How much do you think that changes the Cardinals' plans this offseason? Because as of today, I would imagine Matt Carpenter has a spot potentially in the lineup where he could be the DH, he could play third base. There's at least opportunities there for him with the DH in the National League. Without that, I don't know that there is anymore. So... Jamie, Ferrario, in your opinion, how much would it shift the Cardinals' offseason plans if there isn't a DH coming to the National League? Oh, I think it's huge. I do. I mean, you've literally, you immediately, you've run out of a spot for Matt Carpenter. Immediately. And oh, darn. if you're looking to hypothetically, again, go after Marcelo Zuna to come back, well, so much for that because you've got a gold glover now in left field, you know, a, a possible gold glover. He's trade bait now, though, Riz. And, you know, you know, well, Ozuna is a past gold glove winner, so apparently left field's pretty easy to play. Anyways, which it's not. I'm joking. It kind of is. Go ahead. Anyways, oh. I, I think that no DH absolutely impacts the Cardinals tremendously. In fact, it really might screw things up for them. I don't know if it affects them that much, though, because I think the offseason plan is going to be the same no matter what. Like you say, you have DH. That's Matt Carpenter's spot. You don't oh. have the DH. I know. I know. You don't have the DH. 
You still go into the offseason with the same financial restrictions. You still go into the offseason. Now you have a player that's not even playing, and you're paying him $18 million. Wow, but that's the mistake of yourself. If he's not playing, he's a bench player, right? Like, he's either a DH or he's a bench player. $18 million on the bench. Well, again, that's not... That's not what they tried to do, but it's the mistake they made. I don't I don't think it changes at all. I think you still view the offseason as, yeah, we need a big bat in this batting order. We're going to have to take a financial hit if we want to do it, or we go out there and we throw the same team back in there. The DH was just a matter of, oh, we can get a, a bargain player and make sure he's playing every day, or it's Matt Carpenter's playing every day. I don't think it affects him. I, I, I unfortunately think you're right, Ferrario. Come on. I wish it did. I wish no, it would change no. the approach to the offseason. I don't know that it's going to. With everything that we're hearing coming out of the reports out of uh, out of the Cardinals camp. Now, there is nothing that is being said publicly yet by John Mosellock or Michael Gersh or ownership. Nobody has actually come out and said this, but everything seems to be trending towards, hey, this offseason is going to be a lot about finances for the Cardinals and making sure that everything is staying afloat financially for them. I did want to ask this question because you brought up the $18 million bench player. By the way, it's $18.5 million oh, on the bench. Off. It's only $500. Thousand. I was way off. <laughs> Bigger miss for the Cardinals: trading Randy Arozarena or giving Matt Carpenter that extension. Well, I think the bigger miss is right now Randy Rosarena. I think that he had he could have more impact in the long term than Matt Carpenter, who got this extension that is what a two year extension is what he got. Two years mm-hmm. worth eighteen and a half million dollars per year. See, I think the bigger miss is Matt Carpenter. And look, I I get it. Randy Rosarena is phenomenal. Yeah, what you could want... he be for the next seven eight years? Well, but let's look at the seven eight, eight seven or eight next years, and then also look at what Dylan Carlson is. If they're comparable, then maybe you're not even thinking about that and whatever Libertor turns into. Here's the thing. Matt Carpenter forced your hand away from going after a Bryce Harper. And look, maybe you're not going to go after him anyway because that's not the Cardinal style. But you weren't able to do it because of the 18 and a half and the 40 home runs that he hit in the one season. It'll force your hand this offseason to not be able to go out there and get an Arenado or a Lindor if you can trade or assign a George Springer. I think that's the bigger miss because it put financial restrictions on you to go after upgrading your roster multiple years. I agree with Ferrario again. This is bad for you, You guys buddy. talked while I went to the bathroom, didn't you? I went and had to pee, and now you guys are all like, ah, Don't pee. take six six hours to pee. Forget you guys. The Cardinals had two <laughs> years out. left on Matt Carpenter's deal before <laughs> they signed that extension. Like, the moment that they signed it, this was early in 2019, April of 2019. They still had him under contract for that year at $14.5 million. Mm-hmm. And then they had the next season at about $18.5 million. And they decided then, you know what? We need to re-up for two more after that for his age 35 and 36 season. Why? Why did you have to do that? What was the explanation at that point as to why that was necessary? I don't know that there was a good one. And so this offseason, when they're potentially in financial peril and they've got to have guys walking out the door as a result of that, it's possible that Matt Carpenter's extension is going to cost them Yadier Molina. It's possible that Mark, Matt Carpenter's extension is going to cost them Colton Wong yep. or uh, Adam Wainwright. Can you imagine if I had told you at the moment when they signed that extension, and they couldn't have seen uh, a pandemic coming. They could have never seen that, obviously. But if I had told you then, hey, two years from now, you're going to lose Wayno, Yachty, potentially Colton Wong because of this deal. 
What about told you like, well, then don't yeah. sign it. Do not sign this deal. And it, there were a lot of people that didn't like the deal at the time, and it has aged as poorly as it ever possibly could have. Well, and the other problem with it too is, let's be honest, if you don't have that eighteen and a half million dollars, you're not sitting here saying, well, you're not going to go after George Springer, regardless of the financial restrictions of a pandemic, because you have eighteen and a half extra million dollars that you can say, you know what, we need the bat. Let's go out there and spend it because, you know, if he gets twenty five, thirty million dollars, it's an extra twelve and a half million. I don't think you're sitting here saying it's no. there's no way it's possible. You're talking about how you have to do it. Yeah, and then maybe it is, hey, you don't have that you don't have that contract anymore on the books with Matt Carpenter, mm-hmm. and maybe you do end up losing Colton Wong, but now you can go get that massive contract. Now Nolan Arenado becomes a realistic possibility because you're taking out $30 million and bringing in $30 million, basically, one for one, and they don't have that option right now as a result. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, Mark Saxon's going to join us. He wrote earlier this week that the Cardinals do have some financial restrictions, some financial limitation, limitations potentially this offseason we'll ask him what he expects from Yadier Molina this offseason and if I can continue my hopes and dreams of George Springer being a future Cardinal Mark Saxon's going to join us coming up next we're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN and part two of the question is if he does walk where do the Cardinals turn for their catcher position yeah, that's a good, both great questions. You know, I had heard this was back a ways, back in spring training, that he did want a two-year deal, but he wasn't locked in on the notion of a two-year deal. He understood the team's, you know, wariness potentially, given the fact he's 38 years old. Um, he'd be willing to do a one-year deal and maybe a, a club or a mutual option for for 2022. Um, in terms of what the team, you know, and, and – and I think the question becomes, you know, for Yachty, will he get the same kind of uh, appreciation for his skill set on the open market that he would in talking exclusively with the Cardinals front office? I think you can make an argument that if he plays hardball here and he goes and puts his name out on the market at his age, he wouldn't, in fact, get the same money he would from the Cardinals. Um but I do think a pay cut is is in play here because I don't think he's a twenty million dollar a year player. I think he knows that. Um, but you know the devil's in the details and whether they can line up on a deal, whether it's eight million or fifteen million, that's still a lot of money in a year where they're going to be pinching pennies. So, in terms of what they would do without him, you know they have Ivan Herrera, who they're very high on. Unfortunately, he had his season wiped out as every other minor leaguer did, and that's a big, big blow. But this is a kid with a great arm. I think he eventually could be that guy. Maybe Andrew Kisner is that guy. Um, although we've seen the Cardinals have a little more preference for that defense first type catcher, at least if we go by the Yadier Molina model, but maybe they could try something else. Um, and then the other thing is if we're looking at, you know, robot umps in five years or two years or three years, is it really that important that you have a stud catcher? Are they will they will teams just look for the best you know hitter they can and strap catcher's gear on them and put them back there since framing is no longer going to matter at all. So there's so many things in play here. I don't know how many of those are in the in the hopper, but there's a lot of things to think about. So Mark, I, if we go down the hypothetical scenario here of Yachty not coming back and Wayno potentially not coming back. 
would we potentially be viewing 2021 as a transition year for the Cardinals? Because then you're after the season, you've got no more Matt Carpenter. You've got no more Dexter Fowler. Andrew Miller will be gone. Carlos Martinez could potentially be gone. And that means all of those contracts, Colton Wong, all of those contracts are coming off of the books as well. It would almost present them as a little bit of a fresh start in 2022. Is it possible that 2021 is a true transition year for this organization? Yeah, because of all the things you said, I would call it a transition year. Now, <clears throat> here's where it gets kind of complicated and actually kind of hopeful, I think, for Cardinals fans, even if they are worried about kind of the finances of this thing or what the team will end up doing, is that, you know, other teams are in the same boat. And specifically, other teams in the Cardinals division are in the same boat, if not in worse shape. Um you know, Milwaukee really wasn't that great last year, and they, they could have to cut payroll. We've already heard the Cubs essentially admit that they, they potentially could have a fire sale to get on, under the number that they're looking at. Um, and Buster Olney of ESPN tweeted last week that he heard that the Reds are going to slash their payroll as well. So you could have a scenario where the Cardinals, without doing much of anything, and maybe even subtracting a little bit if, if if they decide not to bring Colton Wong back and save that eleven and a half million dollars, could still be the class of the, the of the division, you know, anyway, and could be a very competitive team in the National League at, at least until they run into the Dodgers at some point. So it's kind of interesting, as dire as everything looks, and I and I do think that's the right word for kind of what the finances look like right now. You know, it could be kind of, you know, misery love co- loves company kind of thing, and, and they could still be the class of this divi- division going forward. All right, Saxy, you talked about teams cutting payroll and finances are tough, and I brought this point up, I, I think, earlier in the week, maybe last week, that – that might change the landscape, right, for free agency. The Dodgers look like they're full, top to bottom. Like, I mean, I guess if they get really greedy, they can just go out and keep shopping. But there's only a select few teams that can actually go out there and provide the numbers that a – just for, for whatever purpose. George Springer, let's use him. Oh, for a good purpose. He's good. I know, right? I like okay, him. I was selective there. But so Springer, I guess his value could be somewhere in the 20 to $25 million range. But if nobody is able to afford that price, if he gets down to the 15 to $20 million range, is that a guy then that realistically the Cardinals are in on? Because I don't think at 20-plus or 25 at least, I don't see the Cardinals being players. Give me that. optimism here, Saxy. Give me optimism. I tell you, man, I'd like to, but I, I did kind of a rundown of the numbers the other day. I think one scenario where that would be possible is if they just decide that they need to pivot in a major way. And they, for example, do like Colton Wong walk, and they use Tommy Edmond there. And everywhere where they can save marginally a few million dollars here or there, they take that road. Maybe they trade a Carlos Martinez or, you know, someone else else with, you know, a still appreciable amount of talent, a, a young player who, who is making, you know, good money. Maybe they do that. And they, 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 they are able to get into the point where they're in their, that conversation. But it, it certainly sets up as an offseason where you would look ahead to the following uh, free agency period that might be a stronger group of players, frankly, with with potentially Corey Seager and, um, you know, other really, you know, to- a lot of like very top level players. Maybe not, you know, the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, uh, 
Mookie Betts level, but a niche below that. So I think next winter would be a, a more sensible kind of target range for this team. But anything's possible. And again, until we know what they're saying about the finances and the outlook, it's hard to answer any of these questions. You've been listening to the show, haven't you, Saxy? (laughs) (laughs) We've been looking to that 2021-2022 class quite a bit because you've got Corey Seager in that one, as you mentioned. You've got Carlos Correa. You've got Trevor Storr. You've got Francisco Lindor. If they do clear the decks a little bit after this upcoming season, it would make sense. Maybe you don't spend big this offseason. You look to next year. Of those guys, are there any in particular that you think makes the most sense or would potentially be the most realistic after the upcoming year? You know, I think for this team, I mean, obviously the outfield is an area that you've got to get figured out at some point. You know, typically those are your horses. Those are the guys who you're hoping they play good defense, but you'll accept if it's just kind of okay. But you're hoping those are your kind of 30 home run guys, the RBIs, the high batting averages, all, all of those things, and they haven't gotten that for years now. And and so that's the likely thing. But I think really the way this team needs to think about it is they need to get the closest thing they can to an elite bat, um, another Goldschmidt, if you will, to add to that lineup in order to give it enough depth that you can sort of have some structure to build around and it doesn't really matter where it is, other than maybe the name I mentioned, Paul Goldschmidt, other than first base. I think they need to be creative about, you know, what they look at. It's got to be the best bat that they can acquire, and then you move some other pieces around because otherwise it's just too difficult to pull off if you're looking at one one particular uh, position group. And I think at times this, te- this team – has been a little bit too literal in terms of just shopping for what it lacks rather than going out and getting the best player it can and then figuring it out. He's Mark Saxon. Check out his work over at The Athletic. He did go through some of the math on what the offseason's going to potentially look like based on the Cardinals' payroll earlier this week. A really good piece over there. Always enjoy having Mark Saxon here on 101 ESPN. Saxy, all the best to you and your family, man. We look forward to talking with you again soon. All right, guys, I'll just be sitting by the phone for the next time you invite me. (laughs) Sounds good. You're the best. It's Mark Saxon joining us here on 101 ESPN. I loved what he said there at the end. Cardinals just need to look for the big bat. It doesn't matter where they play. If they play shortstop and you like Paul DeYoung there, well, then move Paul DeYoung or move the guy that you're bringing into third. I mean, if the Yankees can have Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter on the same team, the Cardinals can bring in, whether it be Seager or Correa or Story or whoever, Lindor, whoever your guy is, and they can have him and Paul DeYoung on the same side of the infield. Well, especially if there's a DH, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what I mean? If you're looking for that, that big bat strictly, yeah, if they're great defensively, then you have the situation you talked about. You move the pieces around. If it's just the big bat you're looking for, DH, man. Yeah, figure it out. There's ways to make this work if they want to. I also love the idea of the Cardinals potentially having the option, the decision this offseason of, do we keep Colton Wong and Carlos Martinez, or do we go make a big play for George Springer? Because if you look at the contracts, that actually makes some sense. I think uh, Carlos Martinez is like $12.5 million or something like that, $15 million this year, and Wong's at 12.5. So if you let Wong walk and you decided to trade Carlos Martinez for a player to be named later, whoever, right? You would then have that payroll potentially available to go make a big play for the top free agent out there that fits you, which is George Springer. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. The junk drawers coming up next, including some follow-up questions that I have to a graphic that I saw last night. We'll get into it coming up next on 101 ESPN. 
We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie, for whatever reason, wind turbines came into the national conscious last night. I don't know why. Wait, what? Have no idea why. Wind turbines? Yes. All right. What the hell is that? Okay, so apparently you guys didn't watch the debate last night. <laughs> so no. there was a debate, and wind turbines became a topic of conversation. We don't have to get into the political side of things. Oh, Not okay, worried yeah, about, yeah. That. I know about that. However, I still don't. there was a graphic you that came out via the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. That discussed the top killer of birds in the United States. Mm-hmm. Number one, number one was cats. Of course. That makes sense. Have you not they, seen the cartoons? The Looney Tunes, bro. Come on. Sylvester and Tweety Bird? Yeah. No, no, no. That, that makes perfect sense. Oh, okay. All right. They kill an estimated 2.4 billion birds per year. Is that many birds? It's a lot of cats. In America, cats are mass murdering. (laughs) They're awful. 2.4 billion birds per year. That's why the cats are the devil. I got to be honest. Maybe this is me being dumb. It probably is. I didn't realize there were 2.4 billion birds in America that could be killed in any given year. Have you never looked up at the sky before and seen birds? Have you never seen how many yeah. fly like, in a pack together? I got 1.4 Every billion. Bird probably is laying like four or five eggs There's per like bird. 300 million people in America. I probably got a couple billion that sit over my house and Seriously. poop on the car. Eight times more birds die from cats every year than there are people in America. It's because it's Think cats. about that for a second. There's some pretty incredible numbers hey, when it comes to what should, kills people. If there's that many birds, we should be thanking the cats at this point. Can you imagine how overpopulated <laughs> it would be? In fact, kiss a cat today. The second Pete is called. The second leading killer of birds every year are buildings. Of course, the glass. They run into the glass. Oh, so yeah. 600 million birds per year die by running into buildings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bird brain comes from somewhere, right? <laughs> I got a picture of one when we were on a basketball trip at Linwood. We were riding with a basketball team. A bus hit a turkey head on. Turkey's head in the bus shattered oh the window. God. I don't know how that happens. Well, that makes sense because the third leading killer of birds every year is vehicles. collisions with vehicles, killing 215 million birds Jeez. per year. Next up is poison. Don't know how this happens. Poison kills uh, birds? 72 their million music. of them. That one, that one I had to think about for a minute. If you get further and further down the list, eventually you get to collisions with wind turbines, which kills 200, a mere 230,000 birds per year. So they brought up the fact that wind turbines kill birds (laughs) in a debate. Can't have that. I need to get rid of those things. How many birds are there? A lot, apparently. They said we have population control. We're killing like three billion birds every year here in the United States. The best is yet to come. Speaking of the best, one of the best things I've seen in the last day or so is um, high-speed police chases, guys. Oh, we don't, I'm so glad. Okay, listen. They're... 
They're definitely dangerous, and we don't want them. But once there is one, we're kind of glued to the TV set, right? Like, a good car chase is something you don't want to miss. That's appointment watching for me. Yeah, when I well, signed my contract here, uh, there was a high-speed chase taking place in St. Louis. It was, was the last big-time one. Time one. It was your agent trying to get out of town before people figured him out. <laughs> you think I have an agent? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Well, Keith is look, the agent. Rivers? I'll tell you what. If you want to start a high-speed car chase... Look no further. There's a gentleman yesterday shoplifted from a Home Depot in California, and he sped off when the cops came. Okay, well, that's not really all that big of a deal, right? But in in true form, the police chase was on in Southern California, but this one had a twist, gentlemen. At one point during this high-speed chase... Apparently, he ran out of gas or was getting low on gas. So what do you do? It's the number one problem with car chases. Yeah, you got you to gotta crash it. Yeah. You okay, got to get yeah. out of the car. No, not this guy. Got a barrel roll. This guy pulls into a gas station. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, what? He pulls what? into a gas station, <laughs> throws it in park, runs in, prepays, by the way. No prepays. How far ahead was he of the cops? Well, this is where I, I don't, I think he was driving a rocket. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is incredible. Prepays, runs back out, throws as much gas as he can in the tank before the cops he probably close. went premium on lead too. Oh yeah, you closes got up shop and gets out of there before the cops do. So maybe no he stole way. something from Home Depot and was like trying to beat the chase before it started. I'm not sure. All I know is that he got back in his car after refueling, because that's what we do when the police are chasing us. Of course, and took off again and managed to outleg the police and the helicopters and all the craziness into a parking garage. Where he is yet to be seen since. God bless you, serious? sir. I'm not kidding. Like, straight out of a movie, this guy basically disappeared. Have we this checked like the gone sewers. in 60 seconds. Yeah. yeah. But the car was found in there, and it was a sports car of some type. It had some, some giddy-up to it. But the gentleman who was accused of shoplifting, I don't know what he could have shoplifted at Home Depot where he had to go into a police Two by chase. four. Two by four. But yes, this gentleman, could happen uh, he took a minute Hammer. and paid at the counter before filling up with gas to continue the police chase. Let me ask you both this. Have you ever had that thought when you're getting pulled over, which I don't know if you've ever been pulled over. I'm yes. assuming both of you have. Have you ever had that thought where like you're on the road and you're like, okay, well, I got to find a right spot to get off so I can pull over and not put the cop in harm's way off the side of the road. But in the back of your head, you're like, Okay, how long before this cop thinks that yeah. like I'm trying to like outrun him, right? Yeah, you put I put on the four ways and go slow. Like and, the hazard lights. Yeah, and so that the cop knows I'm aware that he's behind me and that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always think that they're like, I wonder how long like a cop sits and thinks like, oh this this sucker's trying to get away from me. <laughs> this mother bleeper. Yeah. Yeah. Call in the backup. We've <laughs> got a, we've got a runner. All right, from the text line five seven three. Jamie, you stole this story from the Riz Show. Yes, I did. Damn. But. With Riz's permission. Okay. Asked him this morning okay. after the show. I said, hey, I really like that. We have a little segment on our little station over there, and we do the junk drawer. By the way, is that a Canadian thing, the four-ways? Uh, yeah. Four-way. Hazards, right? Hazards. Hazard lights. Four-way lights. Sorry. Anyways, Riz said, go ahead, use it. Use anything you want. I said, all right, thanks. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 618. Google says that there are 200 to 400 billion <laughs> birds in the world. He's still on those birds thing. <laughs> this is That is a lot of birds. Have a lot of Bleeping birds. Have you ever seen Albert uh, Hitchcock's 
the birds. Alfred Hitchcock, not Albert. The movie yeah, Ken The Birds. Hitchcock, the Bird. No. I almost said Ken Hitchcock. You've never seen that movie? <laughs> no. Oh, you need to watch it, BK. It's in black and white. Hey, do you think he's seen and, anything in black and, and white? And the birds, like, obvious. Apart from it being a filter on his phone? Yeah, come on. Let's be or honest. his blue rockers. I'm, t- I'm 22 years old. <laughs> come on. Uh, from the 314. Guys, how in the bleep do they know this? I don't call anybody when I hit a bird. How do they know when people do? There's a bird hotline. There is a bird hotline. You call yeah. them up and you say, hey, just hit three of them. It's like the snitch line that the NBA used. Same thing. Bird, <laughs> birds are just able to call it up. Birds have a snitch line. In, anytime that one of their fellow birds runs into a building or a, a car, for instance, yeah, they, they snitch on the car. They take down the license plate number. And if you get too many of them, you get pulled up. Big Brother's always or watching. instead of making that phone call, maybe you could just send a tweet. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. We're going to send Rivers to timeout. Coming up next, what is the Cardinals' identity if Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright walk away? We'll talk about it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Rivers and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So what's the identity of the Cardinals if Yadier Molina, Molina rather, and Adam Wainwright were to walk after this season? I was listening to the morning show today. Randy and Michelle were kicking around a couple of questions about this. And the big one is, what's the leadership look like if those two walk out the door? Here's what they had to say about it. Randy, if Adam Wainwright isn't back next season, who's the leader of this team? That's a great question. And I would have trouble answering that right now. I w- maybe Goldschmidt. Until you have that person in place, and I think they're ready to take the reins over, whether it is a Kisner or whether it is a Carlson, etc. I think you're losing a lot, not only from an intangible perspective from Yadier Molina, but the things that he does on the field, too. Ozzie Smith was a really good leader on this team, and the Cardinals have been to four World Series since he retired. Are you going to be able to build leadership within that clubhouse as long as Yadier Molina and and Adam Wainwright are in that clubhouse. So I think it's an interesting question that both of them rise um, bring up there, right? If they are not back, if Wayno and Yadi are gone, who are the leaders on this team? I don't think publicly we have a good answer to that question. I'm not sure that there is a legitimate answer to that question. Is Colton Wong one of them? Is Colton Wong even going to be back if those guys aren't returning? Because that would appear to be, to me at least, a move for money, where they're trying to save as much money as they can, and you would imagine that also means Colton Wong probably gone if they are gone as well. So I don't know who the leaders would be on this roster if those guys are gone. And I do think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with St. Louis previously being a real destination for players that are up there in age, that are towards the back end of their prime of their career, that want to win a title before they retire. It used to be where there was a little bit of a transition from Chris Carpenter to Adam Wainwright. You had the transition from one year, you had Albert, and then it went to Carlos Beltran. And then you've got Matt Holiday still for that stretch run. And then that goes into uh, Matt Carpenter. And you've got the clear lineage of you go from one player to the next well, what's the next right now? We've got the one player. It's Yachty. Yachty is the heart and soul of this team right now. And then on the in the pitching staff, you kind of have that transition. It's going to go from Adam Wainwright to Jack Flaherty. Who's the position player that you're transitioning to in terms of the leadership? I don't know that there is one. Goldschmidt's amazing. He's fantastic. But he's more of a quiet guy. He's a lead clubhouse. by example yeah. guy. He's not, you know, he's not like the voice that's going to be up in the middle of the room. But I, did, I do think that Another a, point, a good point was raised in that one too that you can't 
always have the next leadership if the current one doesn't leave the room and, you know, make way for maybe there are leaders. Maybe they're born leaders right now on the Cardinals roster, but we don't know them. I can think of two of them right now, and I've seen them in the locker room. Jack Flaherty's one of them. Yeah, Jack is for Jack the Flaherty's starting me. rotation. I think Jack, he'd be one. He worries me. He's still too. But he's like, got that sandpaper that everyone says the Cardinals don't like. But with Jack Flaherty, you can't get rid of that because of the sandpaper. Like, you can make the excuse for Tommy Pham. You can make the excuse for Joe Kelly, Randy Rosarena. You can't make the excuse for Jack Flaherty. He's the sandpaper. And you got to look at the guys who have been around Yachty and Wayno, right? I think like, you need a guy there to calibrate him, too, though. I think to Paul, just De- like, I think Paul DeYoung's the other one. I think Paul DeYoung is a guy that can be a leader for this team. He's been a vocal guy at least the last couple of years that he's been there. He's still young. I get it. And I hate to say this, but Matt Carpenter's another one. And he's been there he's with Yachty. he's also on the way out. He's on the way out, yes. But you kind of look at that transition period. But let me ask you guys this. If, if the leadership is so important and you talk about having certain guys as leaders, who's the leader of the L.A. Dodgers? Well, I think there's a number of them. And this is, this is kind of getting to your point, Ferrario, is I'm not just talking about leadership. I'm also talking about which of your elite players are the leaders. Because the Cardinals have had leaders in the past that aren't your best players, but we on the outside looking in point to the best players because those are the ones that we, we always do to being the face of the franchise, right? So you like seeing them have both. It doesn't have to be that way. Goldschmidt does not have to be a leader on this team to be a really good, really important player for them. It, it's not always the best guy is the best leader but a lot of the times the best guys are also put into positions of leadership and so with Albert he was that way with Matt Holiday he was that way with Beltron for the couple of years that he was here he was that way the Cardinals that's the part where I feel like they're missing it I'm with you I do think Flaherty will be the leader of the rotation moving forward and I, I have a little more confidence than you do maybe Jamie that he'll be good at that the position players is where I have the big question moving forward I, I don't know who it is. And maybe it is Paul DeYoung. Maybe you're right. I don't think Paul DeYoung is at that same level in terms of the elite player that these other guys have been in the past. So the face of the franchise plus leadership, I don't know that they have that once Yadier Molina is gone. Like, for instance, whenever they're playing on Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN, right? Who's the player that they're putting on that graphic that they're going to sit down with prior to the game? The RBI machine, Matt Carpenter. Who's the guy that they're going to do that with for the Cardinals? I I don't know who it will be if Jack Flaherty's not starting next season, if Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are also gone. With the Dodgers, they've got like six choices, and it's probably going to be Mookie Betts or Bellinger or Seager most likely on any given night. There's a lot of teams that have that, where they've got choices on Sunday Night Baseball over the graphic. Cardinals don't really have one right now, and that's what they're going to be potentially missing without him. Yeah, and I just look for that example. Paul Goldschmidt's that guy like everyone's going to go to Goldschmidt because he's the elite player that you're going to focus on. I think Paul DeYoung is that guy if he can have some consistency to his game. But my my thought on that is like I know you need the identity and you need the leadership, but I don't know how much the leadership is important in baseball when it comes to that. Like it's not like hockey where you have the guy and Joey even mentioned it yesterday where the, the letter has more important than what people actually see I just I feel like it's it's not as important as people make it out to be in baseball like Yachty's been that guy but then why do they always talk about it if it's not important why do they always bring it up because I feel like it's something that gets glamorized from the media like no players bring it up 
players I think you need energy guys. You what, need, whatever that means, you need guys that bring the energy and that are the, the you need some raw raw guys, you need some lead by example guys, you need a good mix of both. You right? need guys but, who are willing to say this isn't going well, we need to go out to dinner and have a conversation. Tommy Pham was that for the Cardinals when he was here. Like Dexter guys, Fowler has some of that. Dexter actually. Fowler was that for the Cubs that helped them win the World Series, but like when the Cardinals were struggling and Tommy Pham was a part of this team, it came out that at dinner Tommy Pham was the one that stood up and said, guys, we cannot be like this. And then Wayno stepped up with that as well. And Fowler and Molina, like you need vocal guys, but you don't need the guy who's the, oh, he's the obvious captain of the team. You need guys who can work together and kind of come together rather than have clicks in a locker room. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. I do think this is a good question from the 618. BK is what you're talking about. Is that a leader or is that a star? I agree. And what I'm saying here, it, it is it is a very fair question. What I'm saying here, and Jamie, I would be curious your perspective on this as well. I think you need both. And I think the best teams, or at least the, the best case scenario, is that you have both in one player. Like for the Cubs, for instance, they did have a lot of different leaders on that team. But Anthony Rizzo was the guy that was both the leader and and the star yeah. and he had that total package in one player when you see when you have teams like that that's really meaningful to have that in one guy and Jamie you've been on these teams so you would probably be able to talk about this maybe more than I can but when you have a guy that is both a really elite level player that also has those leadership qualities I would imagine that his voice just carries a little bit more in that room whenever he does talk to the room yeah but it's only if he's doing things the right way Absolutely. Right? So you can have a superstar player and he can have a big voice in the locker room, but it means nothing. It's hollow because he doesn't play the right way. He doesn't work out hard. He's not dedicated to it, but he's still a star player. Right. So his voice. Yeah, it gets heard, but sometimes it can be damaging. And so your your heart and soul, guys. Yeah. Would you like them to be one of your best players and one of your best leaders? hundred percent. But a lot of times, the best players, the most talented superstars, they just do their thing. And the second tier of guys, the leadership group, the the guys who have that grit in that sandpaper, they're the ones who actually control the locker room. And then when it comes time to get support, the superstars support the leadership. Therefore, now you have a clear path of leadership. Uh, best player is a leader because he follows these guys. These guys do it the right way. Now this is what we have to do. And I think the Cardinals have some of those, that second tier. I think they've got some of those guys. Like, that's where your Paul DeYoung comes in. That That's where guys like that would filter through. What they're missing right now is the star players as well. And so I, I do think if you've got that star player that you're talking about, like Mookie Betts is this for the Dodgers right now. They've talked so much about his impact both on and off the field and how he does all of the things right. He's the first guy into the room that is studying the film. He's the last guy out getting his work on the field. Like He has everything you could possibly want in terms of what he does off of the field. And oh, by the way, he's one of the best players in the world. And so when you have that guy, it goes a long way and he's showing your younger guy guys what they need to do on and off the field so uh, it's something that they're missing and we're going to talk about this till we're blue in the face but they're just they're missing the superstar they have been missing the superstar for six seven years now and they haven't found a way to be able to replace him and they're looking for that they're seeking that they're searching that there's some guys out there available right now that maybe could be that 
The question is, can they afford them financially? And the answer appears to be no. And so that's why we start looking towards next offseason. And maybe that's when the answer or the question can officially finally be answered. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll get into some NFL quick hitters, including what was one of the most unbelievable plays I have ever seen in a football game. We'll get to it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Ravens and BK on 101 ESPN. Time for some NFL quick hitters. We'll get to one gotta go coming up here in just about 10 minutes. Oh, baby. Yeah. Favorite time of the week here on Ribs and BK. All right. So last night, Jamie, I'm sitting down watching this Giants versus Eagles game, we will call it. Um, it was an experience, to say the least. One of the worst games that we'll ever see. It was perfect for Thursday night football. And all of a sudden, I see Daniel Jones running into the open field. Nobody to nobody out there to tackle him. Great defense by the Eagles on that play, too. Going, going, gone. Except he wasn't gone. Let's take a listen to the play-by-play. Shotgun formation. Jones fakes it. Now he runs. He's got a huge hole. 25-30. And there he goes. Daniel Jones stumbles down <laughs> at the 15. He could not get there. Running out of gas. Jones had nothing but green grass in front of him. And that typifies what this has been all about. He is down at the eight. Back, 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 back. That's what it sounded like right here on 101 ESPN last night. Westwood won with the call. Ross Tucker's in the background. That was Ian Eagle on the call. And Ross Tucker's is his color analyst. And you can hear him just laughing. Oh, my God. He's losing it. <laughs> just laughing as he sees the play. Uh, Jamie, can you uh, can you think of any time that you've seen something like that in hockey? Because oh Daniel Jones looked ridiculous. I've seen a few plays where, you know, guys certainly lose balance and go into the end boards. You go to pivot as a defenseman, you catch an edge and you go flying head first in the boards. Um, but not, I mean, that one there, that would be like, you know what? The only thing I can really compare it to is uh, Patrick Steffen was a player for the Dallas Stars way back when. He was like a high draft pick. And they were, the Dallas Stars were ahead by a goal in Edmonton, and the goalie was out for the Oilers with the extra attacker. Patrick Stefan got a breakaway on an empty net, went all the way in, and went to just, he wasn't trying to be a jerk, so he went to just kind of slide it in on the backhand, right? Well, as he stick handles over, the puck jumps over his stick. So he whiffs on the puck, then he tries to turn quickly and shoot it in. He blows the wheel, heads off into the corner. The Oilers grab the puck, go all the way down and score. Ferrario, have you ever seen anything like this before? Well, two things come to mind. One of them is Dennis Weidman when he was a St. Louis Blue. Can we all remember the toe oh pick over my. himself in a shootout? Now, I don't know if you know this, BK. Go back and look at the video. Dennis Weidman falls in a shootout. I was at that game. Epic. I was 16 rows behind the net that he was shooting on, and I watched that moment come into play, and it was phenomenal. The other one, and I texted you guys this last night. Uh, I saw this happen firsthand last oh, night. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in a softball game. Game and uh, and Daniel Jones 
was going from first to second, meaning myself. I looked like Daniel Jones going from first to second. That's a long way from first to Arms second, Alex. Arms flailing, trying to keep the balance up. Nobody there. The ball's in the outfield. I got a clear path to third. Just eat it right into the dirt. Yeah, so... Uh, Daniel Jones, I feel your pain, buddy. So Good thing nobody's watching nobody Daniel Jones. Nobody was there though. for it. Yeah. You know who really feels Daniel Jones' pain today? is Giants fans. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants had every reason to believe they were going to win that game. They were up in the fourth quarter, 21 to 10. They were winning. They, I this was game was losing it, over. too. Pick it the Eagles, over. by the way. I Everybody Go picks Bird. the Eagles. <laughs> Me, in the meantime... There is a Giants fan who works on CBS Sports Radio in the mornings. And he had quite the rant earlier today. Let's give this a listen. Every year we suck and you can't beat the God Eagles. The Eagles. We can't beat the Eagles. 2013. First year of overnights, DA. First year. How long have we come? That's the last time we went into Philly and won, and it took five field goals to do it. Evan Ingram is the ball in his hands, and everybody's going to wake up saying Daniel Jones sucks. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. You're up 11 points. Five minutes left. Catch the ball. I slept three hours last night. I'm sick of being committed to the Giants and Eagle games. We're a joke. A damn joke. Oh, my. You know what that reminds me of? The Philadelphia Eagles fan when Nick Foles was traded to St. Louis. Do you remember that rant that he put out on his YouTube page? He was losing his mind. Like, Nick Foles? (laughs) Nick Foles? It was incredible. I got to find it now. We got to hear it. That was Sean Moresh, I believe is his name. Uh, He's a legend. CBS Sports Radio. That was sports fandom coming out. Like that. That is. We've all had that moment at some point. I remember when the Chiefs lost in the playoffs to the Titans, when Marcus Mariota caught his own pass that was deflected <laughs> yeah. into his arms. <laughs> I'm sure Stalter felt that way when the Falcons were up 28 to three. We've all seen this at some point. Cardinals fans, you remember when they just kept throwing to Big Poppy? You're like, can you please stop? Oh yeah. Please stop throwing to Big Poppy. Well, might want to pitch around him. That, that was Daniel Jones. That was Giants fans last night as they were watching their team for the seventh straight year lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you have this rant, Ferrario? I just went to find it. Now, it's not safe for work, okay. so I can't play it. But it was Sam Bradford that was traded. And like the oh, first Bradford, you had me with Nick Foles. Well, I thought I'm it was like, Foles, but it was Bradford. And it was the first 10 seconds. And I think it was Bradford. It was Philly Bradford for, for Foles. Nick Foles. Yeah. And he, the first 10 seconds is, what the blank? Sam Bradford? Chip <laughs> Kelly needs to get out of here. Incredible. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Last thing here on the game last night. Are we sure that that damn division deserves to have a playoff team? No, they don't. They don't. I nicknamed it the Deuce Division earlier today. <laughs> I feel like it's just a... straight up Deuce. <laughs> there should be a new rule. <laughs> if you can't get to if you can't get to seven wins, and I'm not sure any team in that division is getting to seven at this point, you can't make the playoffs. You cannot make no, the playoffs you give it to another at six team. and ten. That's there, true. There has to be another team that is more deserving. Like, let, let's get the Lions in. Let's get the Saints in. Let's get the Panthers in. Let's get the Rams in. 49ers deserve it over How these about teams. Anybody close to 500 that can get in. If you if another team is missing the playoffs with at least eight <laughs> wins, and you're getting in with craziness. six, they preempt you. It's craziness. Oh, what are they? Two, four, and one, and they're in leading the division but guys Carson Wentz is great oh my he don't 
He had quite the game last night. Uh, you I don't see even the know what back run that he did. It's terrible. Okay, their their goal line packages. We got to talk to Doug Peterson about this. He ain't gonna have a job in about he, uh, five weeks. I they seen his play four- card. They're written in crayon. <laughs> they had a fourth down play, Jamie, at the goal line. Where they decided to throw a fade pattern to Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler was a really good receiver for Iowa State. It was his first snap in the NFL. Hakeem the dream, baby. His first career snap in the NFL. And on fourth and goal, they're throwing a fade to him from like the two-yard line. What are we doing here? It worked in Madden. It It did. didn't work last night. Carson Wentz threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns. What are you mad at? Well, it was the... uh, the, the interception, <laughs> the the missed throws, some terrible quarterback sneak where he ran into the linebacker's hey, arms. Winners win, BK. <laughs> that doesn't apply here. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. One got to go. Coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. And Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's play a game of one gotta go. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We say one of them has to go. Let's start with the Halloween candy edition. Yes! We are just a week away now right. from Halloween officially. Rhesus, Milky Way, Kit Kat, or Snickers? Rhesus, Milky Way, Kit Kat, or Snickers? One gotta go, Jamie. Snickers all day, every day. Gotta God, go. This is Goodbye. The, ooh, that's Why trash. Why do you have such terrible candy takes? I don't. Coming from the guy who gets blasted every time he has a food take. Yeah, seriously. Milky Way's got to go. No, yes. Snickers. Yeah, Milky Way's no. got to go. Snickers. Why would you want Snickers in your Halloween Snickers bag? is incredible. I buy Snickers with a purpose. I'm at the grocery store. I'm hungry. You guys have seen the commercials. I used to trade four Snickers on Halloween. Oh, like, I try to get more of those. And that explains a lot. No, it explains I a lot to you. You're right, Alex. No, you know what? You put your four ways on, and you take a side road on this one. My Milky goodness. Ways are not good. No, they're, they're, they're trash. They've got to go. They're trash. Oh, you guys. Th- this is a very clear, like, there's a, there's a lineage here. The the Snickers is in the top tier. It is tier one grade A candy bars. Yeah. Kit Kat's is, up there with it. Uh, Kit Kat and Reese's are Snickers. right below that. Mm-hmm. And then Milky Way's all the way down at like the Jets level. Is it possible to BKO a candy? He did. He did. It no, he literally didn't. just got pulled no, he off didn't. the market. BK, that's the best take you've ever had on this segment. Milky Way is trash. Get it out of here. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. This one comes from the text line. I want to cl- put that out there first. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service sex line. Disclaimer. One gotta go. A Ferrario mess up during the sports updates, or Ferrario not listening at all, and then saying the exact same thing that either BK or Rivers <laughs> just said. One. I don't want either of these things to go. God bless you. This is way line. too much fun. Oh man, God bless you, if text line. To, if I have to pick one, I'd say that I I enjoy the mess ups a lot more than the repeating of something we've already <laughs> said. So yeah. I would get rid of Ferrario not listening and then say the exact same thing First as off, Texter, thank you for uh, making my weekend better because I'm excited for that, but obviously the not listening has to go. I mean, we're talking content here. The content comes from the mess-ups, right? Like, that's a segment well, for you. Does. Touche. I'll give that to you. I'll give that one to you. Just that one. Yeah, I think it's the repeats. I think it's the repeats because those really? are... Oh, go. Never mind. Those are more preventable. 
Like, we're not going to get rid of the mess-ups during the sports updates. That's a staple of the show at this point. Uh, that <laughs> That is as common as me saying something that is unpopular. Just like because it, it's a great weekend, guys. Um, I'm blanking on the name here, so I'll figure it out sooner or later. Uh, the Cincinnati... Thank you, Andy Dalton. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not letting you off easy. Where's the Andy Slater part and, of it? Or Andy Stalter. Stalter. Okay, hold on. Andy St- um, I'm blanking on the name here, so I'll figure it out sooner or later. And, or Andy Stalter. Stalter. Okay, enough, He's got enough. the... Oh, oh, and his voice oh, it hurts so bad. To, it hurts so bad to hear. And, or Andy Stalter. Stalter. I sound like a Catherine my vocal cords were shaking on that. <laughs> you can hear him or he's like, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to say it because I got nothing Andy else. Stalter. Like, you just have to spew something out. Oh, oh it Eventually, hurts. don't you just have to say like, hey, throw it to break. Throw it to break. A normal person would have said, I'm, I'm not going to get it. So let's move on. Retreat. Retreat. Hold on. Riders coming in, which is always going to be gold here. So I was sitting in the studio when this was happening. I'm staring Alex in the eyes. I was making eye contact the whole time to Ryder. I didn't know what to do, and I just slowly leaned forward, and I just go, Dalton? (laughs) God bless you, Mike Ryder. How much panic in his eyes as he was staring through the glass? He was looking at me like a dog in the headlights. Like He was just like, what what do I do? What do I do? Like, somebody get me out of this disaster. And I was just taken back. I just slowly, like, are you serious? This (laughs) This is the guy who's on the island by himself. He sees the helicopter fly over and look it up like, I'm here. And then they just keep going by. It was Tom Hanks and Castaway. Like, please, please, somebody, somebody help me. Or Andy Stalter. Stalter. Okay, hold on. Andy, um, I'm blanking on the name here. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, one got to go. Young quarterback edition. Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, or Justin Herbert. Wentz, Jones, Mayfield, Herbert. One's got to go. Jones, he's got to go, man. I'm sorry. Is that because he fell last night? No, but... The poor kid, he's kind of set up for disaster, right? He got drafted way higher than he should have. The Giants, like, apparently their scouting staff is smarter than everybody, but they're not. Baker Mayfield's a bit of a disaster overall, but I think, look, Daniel Jones, you got to go, man. I'm getting rid of Carson Wentz. (laughs) I'm getting rid of Carson Wentz. Between the injuries and between the fact that this guy still looks bad even after wins, Look, we know Daniel Jones sucks. He has no weapons. Carson Wentz sucks with weapons. Wentz has got to go. Who are his weapons right now? Well, he doesn't have them right now, but he's still... <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had the weapons last year, and how were they? They were hurt all year last no, year. No, they weren't. He had Dan- all Sean Jeffrey all season. He was hurt for a lot of the year last year. Daniel Jones so far in his career, in 20 games, 20 games, guys, has thrown 19 interceptions, That's which good. is not great. And then you go a little bit further, and it somehow, somehow gets even worse. He has fumbled the ball 23 times. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, You see how weak he is? He has started 20 games, and he's fumbled 23 Have times. Have you seen it? Like, sometimes it's like the wind blows, and his arm breaks. Well, like, oh, fumble. We saw that I'm last like, night. What are we doing here? Well, he didn't have his head coach that he has this season who makes people take laps if they drop the ball. Yeah. So Actually, now he doesn't do it. I love that guy. Yeah. 
I've heard something similar, but it doesn't seem like he's a great coach given what we've well, seen so far from good the product point. on well, the field. He's got Daniel Jones under center. Hey, well, at least he doesn't have Carson Wentz. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for One's Gotta Go. One Gotta Go Necessities Edition. Your phone, your car, your wallet, or the internet. Start with you on this one, Ferrario. Your phone, car, wallet, or internet. One's Gotta Go. I'm getting rid of wallet. Really well, s- you never carry it around anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> He's never got it. Eh? Oh, hey, Alex, you, it's your turn. Ah, I forgot my wallet. <laughs> we go to lunch after this show. Yeah, hey, who's got Chipotle today? Oh, not me, guys. Uh, it's hey, on the sorry, wall today. Remember saying, I won $1,800. There's so much. Oh, I forgot my wallet, though. There's so You know what? My mic's going off. <laughs> well, we've been asking for that for a while. Can that be permanent? Let's unhook that one. <laughs> so we went with the wallet. Jamie, what you got? Yeah, Where you go? I'm going to uh, I'm gonna get rid of the internet. Well, you carry it around with you all the time anyway. <laughs> what? What? It's on your phone. That's right. So uh, I'm going to keep my phone because I have. out in all directions. I have. I, I just have, VKO'd myself. You did. I've got the internet on my phone, BK. Therefore, I don't need a special internet. I can just use my phone. That way I get to keep the best of all worlds. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. That being said... It's I a li- trash take. <laughs> no, he's got something he's going to throw at No, me. so he, here's the problem for me in particular. Uh, we're living with Kara's parents right now, and where where they live, I'm in North County. You can't I use get, the like, internet? no service on my phone unless I have the internet attached. So unless I'm using Wi-Fi, I basically can do nothing on my ah. phone. So you're so getting rid of the car, huh? <laughs> can't change the tire anyway. What's the that's point? Right. It's in play. I think that's the one, actually. I think I gotta go with the car. Get I can call right. an Uber. The challenge, and I want you to go to a week without a car. I can call an Uber. Challenge offered. Challenge is offered. Challenge absolutely not accepted. <laughs> I don't have to get rid of my car. Without a car. Well, if I had to choose, I don't have to choose. We need to come up with our own real or fake competition it here so be, we can do these well, punishments. Go real edition. Yeah. <laughs> go with a car because if it breaks, I can't use it anyway. The, the one gotta goes are suddenly gonna become far less interesting for everybody. If one, <laughs> if it becomes one's gotta go real, it's gonna edition. be more real thinking into the process. Like, okay, what can I survive without? No, we'll just have the Riz show make them up for us. Imagine that disaster. That sounds like a BK really and I was really idea. bad. Well, it, that would be better that the text line made it up. BK and I would be out of a job. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. Text line controls I would have been it. fired weeks ago, oh, man. The text rips. Hold follow. on, buddy. I'm like, what? <laughs> now I get it. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. And Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN, crossing things over with the fast lane. And I've been told that Brad Thompson is very upset with at least one of us here in this studio for one guy to go. BT, how you doing today, man? I, I, I well, I was doing good until I, I was listening to you guys, and I that's, only got well, that's no, you, full you, stop. You can full stop, stop there. Yeah, that's the usual. Stop. And that's the air comfort service <laughs> text line six five seven eight zero. It was the first question you guys did on, on the ones got to go, and uh, it's it's amazing sometimes. And maybe this guy <laughs> this pops up in your guys' lives every once in a while, where, where irrationally 
you just get like angry about something, yep. and that's what happened there when, when Jamie Rivers. Oh, here we go. You said that that you would throw out, and it was such an easy decision for you to throw out a Snickers bar. Yeah, God's the, gift to candy. You just no, it said, isn't. Forget it's it. God's gift to meal replacement. That's all that is. That's not a good candy. That's crazy. It is. The, it, it, it's all right. I'll tell you this. Reese's is close. Okay, a Reese's peanut butter cup. That is a, a beautiful thing. Uh, but Snickers is right there with it. I'm sorry it's not like an Arrow or a Wonder Bar or a Crispy Crunch. Some sort of mm, Canadian bar that, that, uh, <laughs> that we know nothing about over here. But you throwing out Snickers and just doing so like it was such an easy decision for you. This is not a Three Musketeers here, okay? It's a Snickers bar. Amen, brother. Listen, the Snickers ads aren't, oh, what a great candy. Oh, it's so great. Tastes so wonderful. No, it's I'm starving. I'm being a jerk. Give me a Snickers. No kid wants a Snickers in their Halloween bag. Every You're kid out wants of your a Snickers. Mind. No, I my kids, to... my house, I find a hundred Snickers on the street. Kids throw them out as they get them. Uh, what? It's probably just Where in front you of live? your house. Where do you live? It's in front of your house, you throwing Snickers out. It's not true. I see the kids. They're like, oh, so and so at address, this and that, gave us Snickers. No, let's they... egg his house. Why does they have an so Irish accent? I don't know why they have an Irish accent. Are, are, what, yes. what do you guys give out? Bitto honey? Like, what is it? What's the go-to? We, we so, hand out those butterscotch BT, BT, they hand out rulers at the Ribs house. They're giving out the Nowen laters. Like, what are they doing over here? full of candy corns. Just here you go. <laughs> Unwrapped candy corns. They end up they're, popcorn kernels. Half, half candy corns. Okay, hey. we ration so that one bag goes twice as far, BK. Real, real question, though. Like, like when it comes to Canadian candies, are, are there some that are just like like otherworldly? You can't get here. Are, are there things that we need to know about? Okay, so this one's confusing, right? Not so much that that it's a candy, but it's called Smarties. And when you're in the U.S., you oh. think of Smarties. No, Ugh, see? Trash. No, 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 stop. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you guys think of the little wrap rolled up thing yeah. of little tangy yes. smarts smarties in canada come in like a box a little box a and knock it, off sweet no no you can keep trying bk but i'm gonna power through you here okay smarties comes in a box and they're almost like chocolate m&ms almost they're just a little bit better and so that's Smarties up in Canada. Smarties are better than chocolate M&M's? Yes, they are. And it is something that I have not seen down here. It is available in Canada uh, or out of the trunk of my car in the parking lot. That's depends. creepy. Um, is Jamie Rivers or Jeff Burton? That's a good point. It's funny. Jeff gave them to me, too. No, uh, but yeah, Smarties up in Canada, they're, they're the ones that uh, I think that's unique for sure. All right. Here's all right. Well, I'll try that. I'm going to have a whole bunch sent down here. Here's one for all of you. Because BK still doesn't get it. Chocolate M&M's or peanut M&M's? Oh, chocolate. chocolate. Really? I went peanut. 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 God, peanut. BT, you're a genius. No, you see, that's the why you guys like M&Ms, Snickers. Though, are damn peanuts. Level. Pretzel M&Ms are legit. What? They're, they've got new ones too now, don't they? Don't they have a brownie one now? Yep. I've never had one. It, I think that I could get down on something like that. <laughs> Cookie dough one. I heard six five seven eight zero is the yeah. Air Comfort Service tax line from the three one four. Now this is really saying something for this show, guys. <laughs> But Rivers' take on Snickers might be the worst that anybody has ever had on this show. 
Oh, that's funny. It's from BK's <laughs> freaking cell phone. Nice one. Uh, last I'm thing with I- Jamie. Read those ones. I'm with Jamie. Snickers suck. Nasty I'm peanuts. I'm not reading them because it's nobody has it That's right there. 636 is my Did back. Did you say peanuts? I don't know. There's no chance somebody with a take that bad spelled anything correctly. <laughs> that's no, very that's true. Absolutely. Although Ken says that I need to put the crack pipe down. <laughs> All right. Final quick thing to pass along here. There is a little bit of news from Ken Rosenthal that I find to be a little interesting. Uh, the roof uh, tonight for, <clears throat> excuse me, for Game Five of the World Series is going to be closed. MLB sites forecasted temperatures, wind chill, and possibility of rain as the reason for why the roof will be closed for Game Five of the World Series. I wonder if this could be the start of allowing fans in the stands for stadiums that are enclosed. Because right now we've seen it for open air stadiums. We're seeing it in the NFL and college football, but we haven't seen it, at least as far as I know, for sporting events where it's a closed arena. This could be significant. This could be a big deal for the NBA and the NHL. What if they leave it open just to crack? Just to be able to say it's just, technically just an open the air. Down. Yeah. yeah, you got windows in the back. Yeah. Like, if you're able to crack a window, you're fine. <laughs> just fine. VT, what's coming up on the fast lane today? Man, we're going to break all this stuff down. World Series tonight, we're going to talk to Rick Ankiel. Uh, about 2.15, I think we're going to have him on. He's been doing some watch party stuff for Fox Sports, so he'll have, be able to break down the World Series with us. We'll talk to John Clayton later, and we're going to tell you why a superstar would want to come to St. Louis. And this is from the mouth of Matt Holliday. Hell yeah, looking forward to that. That for Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be back on Monday at 11. If you missed anything today on the show, 101ESPN.com is where you find the podcast. The Fast Lane's coming up next. Mm. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Sweet 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.